2: Now
3: Gold to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to Noble Gold now. Noble Gold Investments.com. As performance may not be indicative of future results, investing in
4: precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. everyone. You are listening to Red Pill Seventy Eight. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News for Saturday Night Live Stream. Uh, joining me in the studio tonight, a man who, in my opinion, needs no introduction—the one, the only, Praying Medic. That's right, Dave Hayes is here with us tonight. We're going to be talking about his new book, Emergency Preparedness and Off Grid Communication. This may be a subject that you guys think you know all about. Maybe some of you out there are saying, I know nothing about this. What do I do? If the proverbial ish does hit the fan, my man Dave here has put together a comprehensive guide to ensure that you, your family, are safe and secure. And, you know, just looking at the world today, obviously I think this is something everybody needs to have on their mind. At the very least, you got to have a plan. So I'm very pleased to welcome Dave back to the show tonight. Very happy to have him here. Thank you so much to everybody out there in the chat for keeping it comfy. If you wouldn't mind, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure that you uh, maybe share the show. That would definitely help out. And what did Vector say? He said, I would record some voiceovers and that's not a oh you want to record voiceovers for my the five minute countdown okay i'm down i'm down we'll do it listen anyways sit back relax grab your popcorn you know how to do it and we're going to be right back after this with day Well, bad news, it sounds like the Fed has taken the punch bowl away from the party yet again because the stock market has been betting on March rate cuts, but not so fast because all three indexes just got pummeled on the news that rate cuts are off the table. Now, is this why J.P. Morgan and UBS are calling for a 23% drop in the S&P? Let me tell you something. This is the longest time we've ever had in history between recessions. And right now, that recession indicator is ringing off the hook. It's most severe alarm in that 40-year history. So either you think Bidenomics is working or you're buying gold. And since we all know Bidenomics isn't working... Isn't it time you protected your retirement by getting gold? Right now you can call the proud Americans of the Patriot Gold Group today and do it before it's too late. All you gotta do is mention me, Zach Payne, and this show, Red Pill News on Red Pill 78, and you will always get the best in class service from Patriots protecting Patriots. The Patriot Gold Group has the No Fee for Life IRA, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you might be eligible for the no-fee-for-life IRA on qualifying rollovers. So give them a call today at 888-857-6092 and request your free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is a consumer affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer for seven years in a row. Call them today at 888-857-6092. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. And if you will, please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, Mr. Dave Hayes, the praying medic. Dave, how are you, buddy?
5: zach i 'm doing really good, and it has been far too long since we have done a show together.
4: It has, but uh, you know, I feel that your appearance tonight is uh, somehow uh, divinely delivered, as I was saying in the introduction. The state of the world uh, leaves you know a little bit to be desired. Uh, I think a lot of people are a little bit worried about the state of things you know, I, I guess I want to begin uh, by kind of getting your barometer, if you will on where we're at and, uh, you know, just how much danger do you think we're facing? You know, like the, the, they, we just had this psyop from, uh, the Intel committee saying that we have some nebulous national security threat. Russia's got something cooking up. I feel it was just a little bit too convenient because they were trying to get that foreign funding aid package passed. And uh we've seen that before. You know, I mean, somebody comes back, they say, hey, I just spoke to people about classified things. Now, if you don't pass this, then you're going to put American lives at risk. You're going to be responsible for the deaths of untold millions. So are you at all concerned? Do you think that Russia is a true threat in a nuclear sense or anything else?
5: Uh, I think Russia is, is, uh, is a data point we need to consider.
4: Okay. Yeah.
5: Right. So we, we know, I mean, if you've been listening to Zach or myself for any period of time, you know that the deep state has some, uh, they just like to have continual wars going yes. on yeah. for many reasons. Um, it, it, uh, it enriches defense contractors. Defense contractors can make donations to, charitable foundations for people like Mitt Romney and John McCain and other people right so the the military industrial complex has a lot of reasons why they like to have ongoing wars mm-hmm. the cia has for 75 years continually portrayed russia as this boogeyman right we need to be uh fearful of and whenever when whenever the intelligence community Needs a bat needs to be able to point to someone and say you can't trust these people they're evil they're, they may mean us harm and you need to give us capabilities and money to save you from those evil people who intended to do you harm it's nearly always Russia. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Am, am I wrong? No, you're <laughs> absolutely right. And I, I like I, I like your thought track here because I'm I'm of the exact same opinion. You know, Russia as an international adversary, if you will. You know, I mean, right. it, it's another big country. They've got their own interests, and it's pretty clear that the the military deep state industrial complex they want to push us into uh, a, a full scale escalated conflict. I mean, they want World War Three. Nothing would be better than that because they would be able to dump all kinds of money. Into that effort, they would be able to produce all sorts of munitions and weapons and missiles and tanks, et cetera, et cetera. and human trafficking yes, human trafficking, yes, drug World trafficking, trafficking. And, and and then the deaths De- of un, and then the deaths of civilians, which they will feed upon in a, a dark sense, if you will
5: and then, if we have a nuclear war, that gives the globalists the perfect setup to say, you know what this whole having international borders thing yeah. it doesn't work. That's why we had this nuclear war. Why don't we just get rid of all the international borders and we'll just have one big, happy global state? Yes. You know, we don't need democratic elections. We just will. You just trust us to take
4: care of shit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so. When it comes to the safety and security of yourself and your family, you've got so many things that you've got to consider and certainly, you know, possible international conflicts. It should be something that's on your radar, but I don't think that it's something that people should be obsessively concerned with. You know, I mean, we look at the 20th century and the Cold War and and the entire psychological operation that you alluded to with Russia as our number one international foe, I mean, that was done for a purpose. I mean, it you know in a in a manner of speaking it coalesced the nation around a, a galvanizing point right and they continually do this they will choose one thing that boogeyman for the american people to be afraid of everybody focuses around it and it used to be that they did that and, and at the same time they would also like rouse this sense of patriotism you know like protect the homeland think back to 911 the uh, homeland security i mean that was the buzzword at that time how ironic do you think it is now that the d h s the Department of Homeland Security that was created after nine eleven to keep us safe from international threats is now arguably the greatest threat that we have facing us here in America because they are allowing international threats to just stream across our border.
5: can't make this stuff up
4: no no
5: uh yeah it's 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 pretty crazy and and so uh thirty thousand foot view <clears throat> for just a minute yeah so you you have uh if if you're awake, if your eyes are open, you need to look around the world and look at potential threats. Who are the threat actors? Are they a real threat? Is it a perceived threat? Gauge as much as you can from available information. What is the seriousness of the threat? I think Russia is not as big a threat to the United States, to our national security, as the uh, national security apparatus would make it seem. hmm uh-huh want everyone to be afraid of Russia because they have a vested interest in that. But if you look at nations like um, North Korea, I am concerned about North Korea because Kim Jong-un, his testing, his missile testing, he's been testing it underwater, apparently some kind of underwater nuclear delivery device. Uh, The rhetoric has been ramping up. They destroyed a monument in Pyongyang. It was built as a as a monument to symbolize the hope of reunification of North and South Korea. That's been destroyed. I'm concerned that Kim is going to bust a move on South Korea, and that's going to yank us into potential war there. We've got 50,000 troops in South Korea right now. right, And for forever. Um, We've got five aircraft carriers in the Western Pacific right now. I think the biggest threat that we have is China and Trump has been saying it. Flynn has been saying it. Everyone who knows anything about national security has been sounding. alarm. Even Chris Ray has been saying for, for two years, mm-hmm. China are our, our biggest threat. And yet the deep state wants to keep talking about Russia. I think China is a, is a, is a much bigger threat. Uh, I, I suspect that she is going to make a move on, Fairly soon on Taiwan and that's going to draw Us into a some kind of a Military um, Situation in the, in the South Pacific uh, There's a reason why we have five aircraft Carriers in the western Pacific right now Right I think we're all expecting something's Going to happen there I'm concerned about Iran um, We all know What Iran's history is We all and now we've got this Problem where The uh powers that should not be in the white house have are started to negotiate and are now talking about removing our troops from Iraq and Syria. And under normal circumstances, if Trump were in the white house, I would say that's awesome. Yes. Let's get our troops out of Iraq and Syria. Heck yeah. But uh, with Obama and Valerie Jarrett and Susan Rice at the helm, uh, why do you think they're removing our troops from Iraq and Syria? All that's going to do is give Iran uh, easier control over those nations.
4: Exactly. Yeah, the breathing room that they would need to then become a real boogeyman. I mean, you look back through American history, and even though they were warning about Russia, at the same time, they were building up these future threats that would then be used to actually do harm against America. You know, I mean, they, they did it with the Mujahideen. They did it with ISIS. And I can see them doing it with Iran right now.
5: Yeah, Exactly. So I think we have, I I think my concern is that, uh, you know, senators, political people and, and various commentators are trying to focus the laser pointer on Russia mm-hmm. when we should be looking elsewhere and, uh, evaluating where the real threats are. And I think the real threats are elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not concerned uh, about Russia. And, and look, uh, there was a space. On Twitter a couple nights ago, Um, Elon Musk was on it. Uh, Mike Lee was on, and and a bunch of senators. um, Ron Johnson was on. And they were all talking about this issue with Ukraine and Russia and how there's no way that Ukraine is ever going to win this war. And all that we are doing by sending money over to Ukraine is we're prolonging the agony, we're killing more people, we're enriching corrupt politicians. And there's there is no benefit to sending more money over to Ukraine. No, no, that they we need to force Ukraine and Russia to come to some kind of an agreement, a a peace agreement and end this war, because all it's going to do is kill more people Mm -hmm. and Russia is eventually going to end up. Taking over all of Ukraine if if it's not stopped.
4: Well, you know, at a certain point, it's going to become inevitable. We're we're not going to be able to pump any more money in because all we're doing at this point is buying more potholes in Ukrainian farmland or in the cities, and yeah. and then because they're going to be so weakened because they're going to be so destabilized, there will be a, a viable argument for Russia to just come in and scoop up all of that territory again oh, and bring absolutely. yeah bring some sort of normalcy to the area again.
5: Absolutely. So. So, uh, so, so getting back to the issue of preparedness, uh, what are the, what are the things that I'm concerned about? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am concerned about the potential of nuclear war. Mm. I, I am. Look, I, I've listened to all of Trump's rallies, every single rally. What is Trump saying? We are on the brink of World War three. And, and he is positioning himself as the only person running who can keep us out of World War three. He has been warning uh now for a year that the people coming across the border are terrorists, and he says one hundred percent, I can guarantee you those people are going to pull off terrorist attacks here in the United States absolutely, yeah, right. So Trump is sounding the alarm look i'm i people are accusing me of pushing doom porn, and I'm like, excuse me, listen to Trump. <laughs> can't you listen to what he's saying right? He's telling the America. We're on the brink of World War three, not with Russia. Uh, he hasn't actually suggested Russia. I think his, his bigger concern is China. And, and he's been saying we're going to have terrorist attacks here domestically. What has, um, CISA and, uh, Homeland Security and FBI have been telling everyone that they can, uh, whose attention they can get. They've been telling them. That we are currently undergoing cyber attacks uh-huh. to our water system, our yes. power grids, uh, all kinds of uh, all different aspects of critical infrastructure. And they know that these attacks are going to ramp up and they're, war- they're sounding the alarm. Hey, look, we've got real problems with Iran and China and North Korea hacking our, our critical infrastructure. Uh-huh. So those are the kind of things that I'm concerned about. Um, and, and the reason I wrote the book on emergency preparedness, uh, and off-grid communications is for three years, God has been warning me through dreams about internet disruptions, cell phone service disruptions, and, um, power grid, loss of power grids. Um, and so I have been preparing, uh, First, it was it was amateur radio because that was that was the first thing that God kind of highlighted to me was get licensed as an amateur radio operator, <clears throat> get some gear, learn how to use it, uh, and and so I you know gradually did. I got the Baofeng handheld radio, and I got my general license, and I ended up getting a a Yaesu FT nine uh, nine one radio for for HF lower band operation where I can you now I I listen to people. I, Every morning when I when I turn my radio on in the morning before sunrise, I'm listening to stations in Korea, China, Indonesia, mm-hmm. all, all of Western Asia. And, and so I, I've been kind of ramping up, getting my capabilities built out for off-grid communication. Um, we were talking earlier. Uh, there are a lot of ways to communicate using devices that don't require a license, aren't very expensive. And they're actually fairly effective, like a Nextel phone that we all were using 20, 25 years ago.
4: Uh, This one, I I want you to go in deep on this because I I would hazard a guess and say that a large portion of the audience probably has an old Nextel rattling around in that junk drawer in the kitchen. So how does that even work?
5: All right. So the old Nextel phones with the walkie-talkie feature, uh, you push the button and it chirps. Mm -hmm. You can talk like a walkie-talkie on the phone. And then the other person there, you're talking like, like, like a walkie talkie, right? Well, that system, the direct talk system that Nextel phones have, it's, it, it runs on a half a watt radio transmitter. It doesn't require internet service and doesn't require a cell, cellular service. You don't even have to have a SIM card in the phone to do it. Right, you, you. So I bought on eBay four brand n- nice mint condition Nextel phones for like thirty five bucks. Okay, and you can do, you can have, you can have private channel communications with private codes, mm-hmm. and you know the range isn't great. It's a half a watt radio transmitter, so you're looking at in in a suburban typical suburban neighborhood, you know, half a mile distance. Okay. Phones have been used forever by, by construction crews, um, cause they're kind of a convenient way to talk. Don't have to have cell phone service. Don't have to have internet. And it's actually a very inexpensive, no license. And, and if you, if you're in an area where you have good line of sight, if it's a fairly flat area, mm-hmm. or your house is on a hill and somebody else's house is on a hill 10 miles away, you can probably talk to them 10 miles away, uh, with, uh, with a Nextel phone. That's wild walkie talkie. Isn't that crazy? A lot of so, people don't know. that.
4: So, so, you, so the, the radio transmitter is in the phone itself. Like it doesn't require any external uh, equipment okay. or anything like that.
5: You don't even, you, you should put the little antenna, the little slidey, like three inch antenna. Yeah. Slide that little three inch antenna up, but you don't even really need it up. Wow. It's a, it's, it operates on the 900 megahertz uh, radio spectrum, which is license free. You don't have to have a license. If it's less than one watt, it does not require
4: a license. That's cool. I mean that's a perfect uh, you know backup basically. I mean if something goes on, you lose uh, uh, cellular service, you lose electricity, you just got those you you pull them up and hey, I'm going to go do a run through this suburban neighborhood and <laughs> see what we
5: can find. Yeah. And and in in my book, what I do is uh, in the uh in the second half of the book where I talk about communications, I I give people ideas about Different equipment, different devices they can use to communicate for different purposes over different distances. Mm -hmm. um, Every uh, device has its limitations. And so Nextel phones, like I said, no license required. They're fairly inexpensive. Um, Charge it, you know, on the battery and it'll be good for a couple of days. Um, Limited distance. Less than a mile is going to be the effective range in, in a typical kind of suburban neighborhood. But then, um, if you are doing family operations, if you if you need your kid, kids plural, wife, whatever, so that you can have you lose uh, your your cellular service and you lose internet, if you have a couple of Nextel phones, you have a way that's convenient walkie-talkie, literally walkie-talkie feature mm-hmm. that you can talk to each other. Hey, I'm going to go down. So, you know, four or five doors down and check on the neighbors. I'm taking my next tell with me. You got the next tell. If anything happens, just, you know, chirp me and I'll, you'll hear the chirp, right? <laughs> chirp, chirp. And uh, we, we can talk. Good way to, to have a kind of a backup communications for short range, small group communications. Now. Perfect. What happens if you want to talk, talk to people that are more than a mile away? What, what if you want to talk to people in your city, and your city is five or six miles or eight miles um, across? You need something with a little bit more power. At, at that point, I would suggest people start looking at, like, GMRS, General Mobile Radio Service. GMRS is similar to amateur radio in capability, so the handheld radios uh are usually rated at 5 watts, and the mobile radios that you can put in a car or use it as a base station are rated up to 50 watts. 50 watts uh on, on a radio will get you a pretty good distance. If you have a decent antenna, you can talk 30, 40 miles on a 50-watt radio. And GMRS requires a license. It's a $35 license. You pay the thirty-five dollars to the FCC. They give you a license. They give you a call sign. That license covers you and your entire family and anyone you designate to be covered under your license. Mm-hmm. So you can you can let your whole neighborhood operate mm-hmm. off your GMRS license if you wanted to. GMRS radios are relatively inexpensive. Uh, there there is a there's a license required, but there's no test, unlike amateur radio. You have to take a written test, get your amateur radio license with GMRS, no test required, pay your 35 bucks, get your license, and you can then start playing around uh, uh most um m- most cities of any of any size have GMRS repeaters uh somewhere in the vicinity. Mm. And you can go on mygMRS.com And you can put in your location, your zip code, and it'll pop up a map and show you the nearest GMRS repeater in your area. If you can, if you let's say you live in in a a city, and you and your mother or family member live 20 miles distant, so you're on one side of the city, and they're on the other side of the city, 20, 20 miles away, and there happens to be a GMRS repeater right in the middle of the city that you can both reach with your little handheld radios. That repeater would allow you, both of you to talk to each other over a distance of 20 miles, relatively inexpensive radio, uh, requires a license, $35 fee, no test. Right. Right. And you can also, you can also take, um, a mobile radio, put it in your vehicle, put an antenna on your vehicle, and then you've got a mobile radio that will, like I said, uh, around here in the Phoenix area, we have, the Phoenix is, uh, is set up. It's a valley and there's mountains all around the valley. Mm-hmm. And they have radio towers with repeaters all around the valley. So you can get drive almost anywhere in the Phoenix valley and have about a hundred mile radius. Wow. To, be able to talk to people using a mobile radio or even a handheld radio because there's so many repeaters around here. Now, <clears throat> now <clears throat> here's the problem. Those are all good options. For communication, if there's power to provide power to the repeaters. Right. Your know, power grid goes down. <laughs> Everything changes. Because if you you and you have your little five watt handheld radio, you're gonna be able to talk two or three miles radio to radio. But if you don't have a repeater, your limit, your range is very limited. That's when you start talking about HF
6: radio, high frequency radio.
2: no oh
1: fighterflare.com
5: to talk to people around the country and around the world. Okay, those radios do not rely on a repeater. Uh, these amateur radios, the larger ones that, that talk on the low frequency bands, the we put up a we put up an antenna, and and it's a, usually a very big antenna. It's not a small antenna. <laughs> My antenna is a hundred and twenty five foot long piece of wire. Holy jeez. That's strung around the eave of my house. <laughs> okay. Okay. It starts over here, goes up around the eave of my house, down one side, wraps around the backside, and just follows the eve line of my house. Okay. And so 100- nobody would even know. And, and I have it painted to match the trim because the HOA said <laughs> it has to be painted to match the trim. I Perfect. painted the wire to match the trim. But that, that wire, um, gives me very, very good wave propagation, and so when I get on my, my radio here, um, I can talk coast-to-coast coast with people. I talk to people in Mexico, South America, Canada. Um, I can do digital communications pretty effectively with people in Europe, Wow. Uh, France, Belgium, Germany. Like I said, I often hear stations in Korea and China and uh, Indonesia and Japan in the morning when I wake up because because of the way that the radio waves work on certain frequencies stay and
4: day. doesn't it bounce off the ionosphere or something like that yep, yeah. so the reason why
5: ham radio operators can talk to people around the world is the radio frequency the radio waves um in the between three and thirty megahertz okay between at the low end of the spectrum three three megahertz at the high end of the spectrum thirty megahertz that radio frequency range is called the HF high frequency radio spectrum it sounds weird because we call it HF but it's all relative Um, below that, below 3 megahertz is the low and then the extra, super low frequency waves and above that is uh, VHF, very high frequency, UHF, ultra high frequency, SHF, super high frequency (laughs) so the radio spectrum I'm talking about where ham radio operators talk to people around the country and around the world, between 3 and 30 megahertz. There's something very interesting about those radio waves in that spectrum. Those radio waves do not travel by straight line of sight. They go up, they hit the ionosphere, skip back down to the Earth, and they're picked up uh, thousands of miles away by listening stations, and that's why we can talk to each other. And there's no other radio spectrum that does that. Oh. Waves below that do not do not bounce off the ionosphere, and waves and frequencies above that do not bounce off the ionosphere. It's only that section. And that's the section that we use to talk to people uh, around the country, in in other continents and and around the world. And uh, the nice thing is these radios, uh, most amateur radios, they don't have a 110 power plug on them. They're designed to run off of 12 volts.
4: Hmm. Right? Let's well,
5: so, take your car. Well, a lot of amateur radios uh, radios run off of batteries. Yeah. Okay. And I and most of us charge our batteries. You can charge them with a with a wall charger, but they're very easy to charge with a solar panel.
4: Exactly. Yeah.
5: Or a generator or any other uh alternative source of power. So <clears throat> if you get into a situation where not only do we lose um the cell service and lose internet, we lose power. We've got big problems with communication because, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to frighten people, but you have to—you really should think about this. Back in the nineteen seventies, when I was a kid, or sixties, when I was a kid—that's <laughs> how old I am. <laughs> uh, we had copper wired phones. We didn't have internet. the f- The phones were wired with copper wires that ran uh, up and down the streets, and we had party lines where you could actually hear other people talking <laughs> to other people on uh, on the network.
4: Yeah.
5: But those old wired phones um, were resistant to things like internet outages. Today, almost. All of the phone systems are voice over internet. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a landline, I have one. I've got a landline in my other room, but that landline, my service is Cox uh, Internet. So, <laughs> so if, if the internet goes down, my phone goes down. I don't have phone service. Right. And there's a, there are a few people who still have um, phones, traditional landlines with copper wires. There's very few. There's not a lot of places that still use copper wire lines. Most residential phones are voice over internet. So if we lose internet and lose cellular service, we're not going back to the 1970s before the internet was available. We're going back to the 1920s before most people had phones. Right. And that is a scary proposition because even though we haven't had internet a lot of us during our lifetime, um, no one alive right now, most, there's hardly anyone alive who can remember not having a phone. Sure. And if we lose phone service, lose internet service, it puts us back a long, long way. And that is why I'm kind of urging people, look, get prepared, get ready, find some ways to communicate that, that, that work for you. Alternate ways to communicate, whether it's long distance or short distance. Short distance, there's a lot of options. Um, we talked about MeshTastic, the little Laura.
4: Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that. This is this is uh, like an ultra low power way to send um, like text messages, basically. And uh, I've seen a a lot of people talking about these recently because they're so spectacular. They're very re- reliable, and obviously it's it's open source, so you can build it yourself, which is super cool for someone like me
5: right so this is my little radio that's the radio very cool uh it is it's a little tiny it's it's a printed circuit board with a little uh LED screen soldered onto it, it this one is happens to be in a 3d printed case mm-hmm. it has a little battery in there it's got a little antenna port and a little off on switch and these little things are quite handy with a little you know, about an eight inch long antenna.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: They have, they, um, again, they run on the nine, uh, but 915, 915 megahertz radio spectrum, which doesn't require a license. If it's less than one watt, these radios put out about a third of a watt, very, very low power. And because they don't. Put out a lot of power; they don't consume a lot of power. Mm -hmm. This little, this little friggin' radio with this little tiny battery in here, we'll run for three or four days on a single charge. And that's just you just turn it on all the time, and it's and it and it. You have if you have two or three of them, it creates a network.
7: Mm -hmm.
5: You take this little radio device. I'm going to turn this off.
4: Yeah. And I was i was going to ask I mean, there's no keyboard on there. I've seen them, you know, in that form factor. I've seen them kind of looking like a Blackberry, but how do you actually text? You know what?
5: So, what you do is this is the radio, and it has a Bluetooth okay. uh, connector on it. You connect it to your phone or <laughs> tablet via Bluetooth. Yeah. And you download the Mesh app to your device. Mm hmm. You open the MeshTastic app and you turn on the Bluetooth on your phone, and you get a, a six-digit code that'll appear on the screen on this device. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you put in when it when it goes to pair, Bluetooth pair. You put in the, the six-digit code from the device on your phone, and then your phone connects to the radio. Awesome. And you can then send text messages on the app via radio to whoever is has a radio on, uh, out there. And um, I have, so I've got a mesh tastic node just like this, except it's in a waterproof case up on the roof of my house. <laughs> nice. And I've got a friend who lives 10 miles north of me. <clears throat> he has the exact same waterproof little radio device on. The roof of his house, and we have direct line of sight because he lives up on a on a little hill. So, um, that I have an I I've got. ai actually have uh, a device there. I've got a phone, because you have to have a phone and a device, and they have to be paired to work. Mm-hmm. So I have a spare phone at my friend's house that creates uh, the the interface. Between the radio that's on his roof, I've got another. I've got a spare, another spare phone here that connects to this radio. Uh, and actually, I should say, let me let me explain this the right way. The node that's up on my roof, the radio that's on my roof. I have a tablet in my attic that's plugged into an outlet that is powered all the time. Okay. So the two nodes that are on the rooftops, ten miles apart, create a network, and they're sharing information back and forth any radio that's down below in either of those two houses can connect to the nodes that are on the roof. And you have four radios, four nodes that create a network where we can then send text messages back and forth. And you essentially have, it's a mesh network and uh, my neighbor could connect to my node and they could jump on the network and we could send text messages back and forth my neighbor over there could connect to my node and we could send text messages back and forth. No license required. You can buy the the little um the little printed circuit board with the LED screen, it comes with the antenna port and a USB charger. There you can get them on eBay for about 30 bucks. Oh wow. Um this one I bought for about $45. It has a 3D printed case and a battery and an off on switch on it. Very nice little unit. And the app is free. And so, you know, for about 45 bucks, I have a license free way to send text messages to somebody else, uh, who has got one of these little radios and no internet, no cell phones. to, To connect one of these, you do not need cell service. All it's working on is it's working on a very low power. Uh, high frequency radio signal, a 915 megahertz, one third of a watt. And it's, and it's a strong enough signal that you can, uh, I've tested one of these radios. Might have been this actual exact radio. 23 miles away is the farthest distance that I've got. If, as long as you have clear line of sight between the two radios, you should be able to communicate probably up to forty or fifty miles. The issue, the issue with these little, with any UHF radio communication devices, you need to have clear line of sight. Mm-hmm. You need to have reasonably clear line of sight between the two radios. If you have anything that's blocking, you know, a, a skyscraper or or a hill, <clears throat> you're not going to be able to use these. Um, if there's something blocking uh, line of sight. If you have good line of sight, these little tiny radios have pretty good range.
4: And, and it's, it's, it's another a, option. And they're encrypted, too, right? I mean, like, these are private communications. And
5: because these do not require an, an amateur radio license, your text messages are encrypted. That's right. I think they use uh, 256-bit encryption, I, I believe. I know it's at least 128-bit Uh, yeah. So the, the text messages are encrypted. And yeah, you can send encrypted text messages.
4: So, um, that way prying eyes are not going to be digging into your communications.
5: So your communications are going to be a little more secure. Yeah. And if you're, if you're in an environment where you're, where you're concerned about communication security, it's a good option. I will, however, leave one caveat about mesh networks in general. And mesh tastic in particular. <clears throat> These little radios are cool because they create a network where you can just add more radios on and more radios on and more users on. You just create this mesh network where people can, can communicate. And like I said, because it's not doesn't require a license, not amateur radio, it's not restricted, you can use encryption on your messages. That's the good thing. The bad part of this is if uh if those people coming across the southern border uh, intend us any harm
7: mm-hmm.
5: and if any of them have any radio skills and equipment and if they're looking to locate certain people who are communicating back and forth, any device that sends out <clears throat> a constant radio signal is trackable to a, to a location and so that's the danger with these devices is if you're working in a hostile environment where there's an enemy who's trying to track your location and you and you have a mesh-tastic node that's putting on a radio signal, they would be able to locate you using that radio signal.
4: Okay, all right. And, and,
5: and, and so I, I just want to throw that out there. Oh, it makes it's, sense. It's a situation people may not ever run into, but if you do run into it, just keep it in the back of your mind that it that thing does send out a signal and look uh us soldiers in afghanistan uh frequently located enemy combatants by using radio direction finding finding their signal even if they couldn't understand what they were saying they found their signal they located them they moved in and they killed them mostly because they were talking on radios okay um, and did not observe Good communication discipline. So, just wanted to throw that out
4: there. No, it's definitely worth mentioning. A couple of quick things from the audience over here. First of all, on Rumble, Uh, Fred Awakening says, "Good to see you, Dave. Do you happen to remember the model name and number of the Nokia phone that you talked about?" Also, Mohap. Do you know what Mohap means? Moab. Mohap. Mohap. Yeah. Uh, I'm not familiar with Mohap. Michelle Obama has a penis. My like, gosh. <laughs> Fredo is always guaranteed to drop that one in the chat. So thank you, Fredo. I hope
5: we're not going to have video evidence of <laughs> No, 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 no,
4: no. No, I don't think so. But yes, what right. models? The, the phone that I have is
5: the, um, it's Nextel. So it's, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember if it's a Motorola. You know what? If you hang on a second, I can go look.
4: All right, go ahead. I'll go through a uh, couple of other thank yous over here on uh, Pilled. So, uh, first of all, Dreadquarters, getting it kicked off over there on pilled.net. Thank you very much, guys. The Foxhole says uh, this will be fun. Michelle Ann, thank you very much for that can. Candylicious just bought a six-month silver-tier subscription candy. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, bro Dude, good to see you, buddy. He says, great to see you both. I haven't seen or heard Praying Medic for a while. Uh, Praying Medic, you can still find him out there on Twitter and Truth. And I believe Getter and Gab. I know Gab for sure because I tagged you there, but you're on all those, yeah. right?
5: I, I'm not really active on Gab. Yeah. I'm yeah. not on Getter either. I never had a Getter account. No. I'm not on TikTok. And by the way, <laughs> if you get a private message yeah. from me, so, trying to sell you crypto yeah block that school and i I do not send private messages yeah the
4: the same goes for me too i mean like you'll know if i'm actually reaching out because it will be like my official account on telegram all the time they the nigerian scammers they will clone the channel and quick tip Channels cannot send private messages on Telegram, okay? So if you get a message from the channel, it's not me. I will also never message you about buying crypto or about buying information on how to access the quantum financial system uh, or anything like that. (laughs) And uh, if you have gotten a message like that, you can be pretty much well assured that it's not me. But if, you know, you're confused, definitely reach out. Uh, Just had a user reach out uh, this week, actually, asking if it was me messaging about the quantum financial system. That should have been your first clue. Definitely not me. But yeah, uh, I I actually had someone uh, about two years ago. Uh, almost give personal identifying information to one of these scammers and like I thank God she reached out when she did because she was about to give them like credit card information and stuff and I will never message you and ask for your credit card or your social security number or your home address or anything like that. yeah block them yeah block yeah. and report yep so
5: yeah, I'm on telegram i'm'm I'm, I'm most active on telegram and Twitter right now. I have a Facebook page I, I just really upload uh my videos, my Supernatural Saturday videos to my Facebook page and occasionally share some healing testimonies. Um I have to be really careful on Facebook because I've had like five pages banned on Facebook. So sure. I don't do anything political, anything cute It's just ministry. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I'm most active right now on Twitter and, and Telegram. So for yeah. those that want to know. So here's an answer to your question. Oh, Zach, by the way. Yeah. You know the little uh, plastic Little thing that they put over the screen <laughs> protector when you buy a new phone. Yes. My phones still have those on them. That's great. <laughs> this is a, this is a Nextel i365 <clears throat> is the version that I got. There are about 12 different phone handsets from 20 years ago that you can buy. This is the i365. Mm. There's, there are various versions, uh, that all you have to do if you're interested in this, Go go on the interwebs and do a little search and in your search query put in Nextel phones with direct talk feature. And and it'll come up with a list of phones that uh where direct talk is available. Mm -hmm. And if it has direct talk, you'll be able to it has a radio built in that you can use and just get a couple of them and make sure that they have you know what? Uh I think I actually misspoke. These phones do need to have a SIM card in them to access direct talk. You do not need to have cell service. You do not need to have uh, internet service. And in this book, in this little book right here, I actually have step-by-step directions. If you have a Nextel phone, how to turn it on, how to access direct talk, how to... Uh, connect to another, uh, handset, how to make the communication, how to set a channel, how to set a private code, step by step directions. I copied it basically right out of the owner's manual yeah. on how to do yeah. all that stuff so that, so that you don't have to
4: go worry about how, how to do that. And if I can, uh, throw an addendum in there as a former employee of the cell phone industry, Dave, you got the right one there. The candy bar phones are the ones that you guys are going to want. Uh, the as few moving parts as you can have as possible is going to be better for you because that means the hinge isn't going to break it means that you're not you're not going to be right. flipping it clicking it clicking it and then something's going to quit working like that is going to last you forever that was the joke in cellular years ago is that these phones would be around even after the apocalypse basically they would dig them up in right, tens of thousands of years very
5: little on them to break
4: yeah yeah <laughs> so
5: and this, this phone is probably literally 20 years old and it looks like brand new like there's nothing wrong with it, it it's Definitely good looking. And, and like I said, I got him on eBay for like 35 bucks a pop.
4: Good so. stuff. Uh, let me see. Uh, hang on. I don't you know how to say this name. So, oh, S, e, S.E. Murphy, P. A. S. E. Murphy, E.P.A. Uh, okay, I think – and I, I don't remember what the name was. But, yes, anyways, Ms. Murphy will say. Uh, so you accept that there is no curvature of, of the – Wait, so you accept that there is no curvature and the Earth is flat. You can't have a line of sight for 23 miles if the Earth is a globe. Do the math. So, you know, honestly, I had never thought about it. But but, uh, but over 23 miles, you're the Earth should have curved. And uh, yeah, what do what would you say? OK, so
5: uh, I, I hate to say this for the for the flat Earth friends out there and you are friends. But here's here's the real world scenario and you can test this you can people have done tests to prove this mm-hmm. uh i'm just i'm not just making this up if you have uh your basic radio okay at sea level okay at sea level or or on a perfectly flat plane on the earth without any hills or valleys mhm So we have to have, um, we have to compare apples to apples. So most people, when they do this comparison, they say at sea level because sea level is sea level.
7: Mm -hmm.
5: At sea level, if you have two people who have radios and they, and they are talking to each other, they will be able to talk to each other for a distance of three miles and if they go beyond a distance of three miles because of the curvature of the earth, the signal will then travel over the, over the head of the other person off into space. And you will not have line of sight. You don't have line of sight communication at sea level for more than three miles. Okay. Which is why, which is why these five watt um, handheld radios, I don't care what brand it is. A 5-watt handheld radio, if you have two people at sea level, it's going to only transmit a distance of three miles. It's not going to transmit any more than that because of the curvature of the Earth. And UHF radio signals travel in a straight line. They don't bounce off the ionosphere. They travel in a straight line. Then how do we get people who can talk to each other 15, 20, 30, 40 miles away. Very simple. I told you my friend's house is on a hill. Uh-huh. My house is at an elevation of about 1300 feet. My friend's house is at an elevation of 1600 feet. Uh. <laughs> He's 300 feet higher than me. His radio horizon. Okay. So now we're going to talk. If you, if you talk about the horizon, there's a visual horizon and right. there's a radio horizon. Okay. The radio horizon is the limit of travel for a straight-line radio wave. And if you are on top of a 10-story skyscraper, for example, your radio horizon is about 25 miles. If you're on top of a 3,000-foot mountain, your radio horizon is about 70 miles. Because you're going higher up above in elevation, Mm -hmm. which means you can talk to people, line of sight, over a longer period, even though the Earth is curved. So um, that's, that's the issue with the Earth being flat versus the Earth being curved. The reason why handheld radios at sea level don't go very far is the curvature of the Earth. If the Earth was flat, if the Earth was flat, And I was at sea level and somebody else is at sea level and they were 10 miles away, 20 miles away. My little five watt radio, I'd be able to talk to them as clear as day. I can't because the earth is not flat. It's curved. And the radio signal will go off into space above their head if we're both at this
4: exact same altitude. Okay. It seems like a logical arg- argument to me. Uh Let's see here. So um <laughs> Fredo says, uh, what can you suggest that would allow me to wake back up at 4 a.m. just to say testing, MOHAP, testing. I live in California, so I need some range. <laughs> Satellite radio. Satellite radio. Okay. Okay. Satellite phones. You know what? Hang on. Let me get another. uh, (laughs) Go grab it. Go grab it.
5: Another prop. So Here's another prop. Zach, you
4: know what that is? I've never seen one of those before. No. Is that like a Sirius XM thing or something? That is a Zolio. Zolio. Okay. It's upside down and backwards. Oh, now I see it. Zolio. Okay. Can you see Zolio on the back? I see Zolio on the back. I've never heard of Zolios before. Okay. This is
5: a satellite communicator.
4: What is the specific purpose used for that? So, like, you go out in the wilderness and you can talk to people when you're out in in an area with no grid? Or is that for emergency beacon purposes? Both. Okay.
5: Generally speaking, uh, these satellite communicators are used by kayakers, hikers, sailors, people who are off-grid. Who needs to be able to stay in touch with their loved ones while they're off grid? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what this does is this has Bluetooth. Okay. It pairs to your phone. Right on. Okay. Your phone has an app on it. And on the app, once you connect your phone to your satellite communicator, mm-hmm. If you set your satellite communicator on a window ledge or outside somewhere where it can pick up satellite signals, mm-hmm. you can t- send text messages to other people on the satellite network.
4: Okay, so same concept as the uh, as the LoRa. But in a different brand. Uh, very, different, very
5: different concept. Yes. Satellite. So that means the communications can go globally.
4: Well, I'm sorry. I only meant the the method of connection. <laughs> oh,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Same thing. Yeah.
5: Connects to your phone by Bluetooth, and you can send text messages. Yes, yes. They might so, be, so but, you, this, but this connects to the Iridium satellite network.
4: Okay. I, I, uh, iPhones have that ability now, too. Um, I've never had chance to test it out, but, uh, you know, I figured... Someday I might get myself lost out in the woods or something.
5: So iPhones and uh, now, let's see, the new Snapdragon processor is going to allow um, satellite connectivity for Android phones. Uh, That's coming soon. Okay. Here's the problem with that. So far, right now, none of the phone manufacturers are planning to allow... Connectivity via satellite to anything other than emergency dispatch. Ah, that's, that's the restriction. If you are in an area where you don't have cell signal and don't have Wi-Fi, you can use those phones to connect to an emergency dispatcher, but that's it. Okay, that is the restriction on those uses. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a nice function, but it's not really it's not it's not ideal for off-grid communication. Right, right. Worst so, case so,
4: scenario.
1: Now
7: type thing.
5: So let's go back to Zolio. Do it. By the way, Zolio is not the only company that makes these um, baby stick makes one Garmin in is another one. There's four or five different uh, companies that make satellite communicators that connect to your phone by a Bluetooth and you can send text messages. This is, who is also an emergency locator if you if you pop up this little red thing here and hit the tab, it sends out an alert that will send search and rescue to come and find you
4: okay, yeah, yeah so so it, it k it, <laughs> it does work
5: as an emergency locator beacon. Yeah. that's yeah. one of its uses, but it's also handy for uh, for text communication via satellite nice so here Here's a question I get from people, like my kid is not gonna get a ham radio, and I'm not gonna get a ham radio. How can I stay in touch with my kid, you know in the event that like we lose cell phone service like is there is there a way to do that? My kid lives a thousand miles away? This is one way to do that, okay. uh, I have these for my kids who live more than a thousand miles away, and they're not into ham radio
4: <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you're such a such a geek, I'm not gonna use a ham radio. <laughs>
5: I, I, I knew there was no way I was going to talk my kids into getting, uh, a ham radio and putting up the antenna <laughs> and crap. So I bought them the Zolio satellite communicators and they're paying for the monthly, uh, data fee, which is like 20 bucks a month. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. So for people who are looking for an alternative way of communication, um, this is an option, uh, because it's convenient. It's texting with your phone. Uh, yeah, there is a, and, and here's one of the things with Zolio. After you've had Zolio and you've paid the monthly fee for, I think, three months, you can then pause your service on your device for a fee of $4 a month. You can pause, indefinitely pause your service on that device okay. until you need it. So that's. Why I, one of the reasons I, I bought Zolio instead of baby stick or Garmin. Um, the other thing is with Zolio, you can message anyone who has a fun, a working cell phone or anyone who has a working email, regardless of whether they're on the Zolio network or not. With some of the other providers, they have to be on the network.
4: Ooh. Okay. Okay.
5: Right. So if, before you go and buy a satellite communicator, look at the terms of service and look at the restrictions and make sure that you know what you're getting into. Here is the drawback about Zolio. <laughs> I've already and, thought and of all of, these, all of these satellite communicators. Yeah. These satellite communicating devices are designed for people who are intentionally going off grid when the internet is available. Exactly.
7: Yeah.
5: Because these devices send their messages through internet servers, until they get to a satellite uplink, it sends a message up to the satellite, which then beams it down to the end user. Yeah, but it has to go through internet servers first. And if there is a widespread internet outage, these things do not
4: work. I was I was also going to say, good luck reactivating your service if the worst comes to worst. You know, and yeah. the, and there's that. Yeah.
5: So I, I got I got these on the off chance that maybe we lose cell service, but we still have some Internet function.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: I, I can't predict what's going to happen. Uh, I, I am <laughs> I am making as many uh, contingency plans as I can because I don't know what is going to be available, what's going to work, and who am I going to actually need to communicate with.
4: Absolutely. You know, I actually have passive fiber here at the home, so that does not require electricity to run. So even when we lose power, I still have Internet, and I have a backup battery bank, and I have solar, so I am all set in terms of electricity and communications uh, should it come to it.
5: Zach, I, I kind of got the impression from our previous conversations that you're kind of a prepper.
4: I am a little bit of a prepper. Yeah. You could definitely say that. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I just I've been I've been thinking about this longer than I've been doing the show, you know, and I mean like I've always been a fan of oh, I don't know, maybe I mean it sounds a little um dark, but I I mean just like the idea of having to go through an experience like that. You know, I mean that really shows you what you're made of. And, yeah. you know, like, how, how self-sufficient are you truly when it comes down to it? Because if the world goes to shit, you know, if everybody is going crazy and everybody's looking for food, they're looking for water, you know, if you're the guy who knows how to make sure that you're okay and that your family's gonna be okay, people are gonna be coming to you. And I mean, I have to be really honest here. One of the reasons that I have such a rosy disposition about this stuff is because I don't really have any fears about it happening. You know, I mean, of course, it would be terrible. The world ends or something bad happens. Obviously, that's bad. You know, I mean, I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm also fairly self-assured that if something were to go wrong, I've already made all my plans. I've already got my contingencies in place. And so it's just it allows me a, a certain level of peace, I think, when it comes down to it.
5: Exactly. Yeah. You know, I had a dream uh, maybe a year and a half ago where I was walking through a debris field in an urban area
7: Mm -hmm.
5: and it just looked like kind of a blast zone where something, some kind of devastating blast had happened. There was debris everywhere. I was walking through the debris and I came across an antenna laying on the ground. It was a I knew the dream. It was a two meter ham radio antenna. <laughs> I picked it up and I had a Geiger counter and I was scanning it for radiation. Right. Mm-hmm. That dream had a profound effect on me. Um, it was like I had been transported to the future in some post nuclear Holocaust type mm-hmm. thing. And I was looking for radio parts and pieces that were usable and non-radioactive, right? Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of dreams like that over the last three years. Um, not all like that. Uh, instructing me about radio communications and things. <clears throat> and like you, um, you know, I've, I've had times, I've had periods of anxiety over the last couple of years where um, after a particularly strong dream or some revelation that came to me. Um, I, I felt like I was not prepared for what's coming. Like, I just know things are coming that most of people are not prepared for. Sure. And you can either shrug your shoulders and say, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. Or you can start getting prepared. Mm hmm. So I got get I started getting prepared, and I my my preparedness training goes all the way back to the nineteen nineties, when I got my first fire department job. I was doing community preparedness. That's what I lived in Washington State. We had a lot of earthquakes. Uh, we we all taught community preparedness. We were trained on it. So I go I go back a long ways on on preparedness as a general subject, but off grid communication and preparing for an immediate crisis is something new to me. Mm-hmm. But as you said. Now that I have taken the steps that I believe are necessary, put aside some food I put aside water. <clears throat> I've got backup means of power. I've got backup means of communication. I feel like I'm prepared for whatever comes. I don't care if it's nuclear war, uh if it's civil war, if it's a revolutionary war, overthrow the government, uh, whatever it is, you know, alien invasion. <laughs> I feel like right now I'm adequately prepared. And, and, you know, I've been having these conversations on Twitter over the last week about Q and about people's perspectives on, you know, whether patriots are in control and everything's going OK or whether patriots are not in control and, and all, this, all these other uh, discussions. <clears throat> and someone asked me today, so, Dave, are you saying that you're not um, enjoying the show? <laughs> and I replied back to him and said, look, you uh, after I made the necessary course corrections, I'm actually pretty frosty yeah. right now. Yeah. I've I've got myself in a place where I feel like we're prepared for whatever is coming now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really worried. I don't have anxiety. I'm not freaking out. Uh, I feel very good about what's coming. I, I think there's some pretty nasty stuff coming. But I also am very optimistic uh, about our chances. I believe if Trump gets back in the White House... Uh, before they, you know, and they haven't destroyed the country yet. I think we have a very good chance of turning things around, getting things, getting the ship back in, in uh, in good working order. I'm optimistic about the future, even though I think we're going to see some difficult times ahead. Sure. You know, weak men make hard times. Exactly. Hard times make strong men. Yeah. Strong men, right? And mm-hmm. we're at that place now where weak men are making hard times. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of weak people in governments around the world: Emmanuel Macron,
7: mm-hmm.
5: uh, Trudeau, mm-hmm. uh, Biden, Obama, and and we're going to see some hard times, I think, because of that. But I'm very optimistic about long term prospects, and I like it like you. I feel good because I've I've done what it takes to get prepared for this what's
4: coming? Yes, 100%. You know, I've always felt that, you know, the idea of there being some overarching plan in the background doesn't mean that we're not going to to go through some period of like social upheaval or, you know, some some truly devastating events. I mean, it's entirely possible. And I think that everybody should continue on with their life. You know, you're happy, you're enjoying it, that's totally fine. You see the future, we know exactly what's coming, that's awesome. But you should still live your life as if there is clear and present danger out there, you know, because as soon as you start thinking like, hey, it's all good. Nobody's got to worry about anything. You know, that's when you're going to get hit in the gut with a big punch and you're going to be like, what happened? You know, how did I not see this coming? You know, just make the plans, make contingencies for your contingencies. And you can go ahead and live that carefree life and know that if anything does happen, You will be fine. Your family will be fine. Everybody will be safe. And, uh, and and then you've got really, truly nothing to worry about. You know, I, I think, you know, you mentioned if they don't destroy the country, I mean, I think that they've got us on a collision course to try and degrade it as much as possible before November so that, you know, when President Trump takes back over, uh, you know, he's going to essentially inherit the greatest shit show in the 21st century, you know. And uh, and of course, I think that's all part of it. I mean, I, I I see that I've seen that happen in the past. You know, I mean, it's this kind of tit for tat push and pull between the two parties and it when president trump comes back i mean i truly do believe that we are going to fundamentally transform this country i mean we're going to have a lot of work to do and we've got to have people who are dedicated to do the hard stuff that maybe people don't want to admit is going to have to happen uh but i mean it's going to be inevitable it's just simply part of it
5: yeah well it, you mentioned um the fact that it seems like they're intentionally destroying the country when Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, and Obama walked into the Oval Office on day one uh, of Biden's term in office, and had a stack of executive orders for him to sign. Oh yeah, they put back on track the 16-year plan to exactly. destroy America. Yeah, yeah. They they went right back to what they were doing before Trump got in office.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, opening the borders, letting m- migrants come in, destroying the economy. Destroying every get, getting in as many wars as possible. Yep. It's like they went right back to their intentional plan of destroying this country. Yeah. And like you said, when when Trump comes back, he's going to inherit a mess. Mm-hmm. But if anyone can turn it around, it's Trump.
4: Amen. Yeah. They had to fast track the four years of work that President Trump derailed. You know, it's like, it's like, Hey, we, you know, we've got to really play some ketchup guys. So, all right. So let me get through a couple of these. Thank yous. Um, We are going to open up the phones a little bit, but I got a couple more questions for Dave first, before that happens. First for the second half of the program, I need to inform you guys of the sponsors. And one of them just happens to be my friend at onenessdrops.com where you can purchase your chlorine dioxide water purification kits and use code RP78. When you do, you'll save 15% off your entire order. As you well know from, listening to the program. Chlorine dioxide is uh, colloquially known as the universal antidote because not only will it allow you to make clean, potable water from virtually any source, uh, it will also take care of a whole bunch of bugs and pathogens that might otherwise make you sick. Chlorine dioxide is super easy. It's two parts. You just add part A, part B, you put it in there, and uh, you'll be relatively assured that you're not going to have to worry about uh, anything uh, taking you down. And obviously, if you're on the move or if uh, Perhaps a municipal water supply is no longer available. This is going to be uh, highly, highly necessary. So pick that up at com. Use code RP78. You can save 15% off. And then also, you know, just because of the topic of the show, you might want to also head on over to prepare with dot 78com and pick up your four-week supply of emergency food which you can get right now for $177. Save $60 off your four-week supply. Uh, these are breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, uh, over 2,000 calories per person per day, uh, as I've said before, Lisa and I have a couple of years of, uh, of emergency food now stocked away in our uh, little cubby cubbyhole. Uh, so definitely you've got to eat. you got to have clean water. And then finally, you've also got to have someplace comfortable to lay your head. So head on over to MyPillow.com. Use code RP78 over there, and you can save up to 80% off of Mike Lindell's amazing American-made products. They're made right here. I believe they're in uh, Minnesota. And uh, they've got a whole bunch of sales, as they always do. The Giza Dream Sheets or even the mattress toppers and the mattresses or uh, the the bath towels, the slippers, uh, all of the stuff. Mike uh, truly has been a longtime supporter of the channel. I just want to say thank you very much to him for also continuing to support our efforts to save America. Go to MyPillow.com, use code RP78, and uh, then when you come back, you guys will know that you are 100% prepared. So, Dave, before we open up the phones... Uh, I know that you've got this comprehensive plan, uh, set up in this book. And I, I think that the book is well worth people's time. You know, if you haven't gotten started with making your plan, then this is an easy way to do it. You know, a lot of people seem to just get kind of, uh, I don't know, overwhelmed with all of the various things that you should do. And you've basically laid it all out. So what I would like to ask you. Oh, no, go ahead.
5: Really quick. One point. Yeah. The entire philosophy behind this book is, the idea that you don't need to prepare for every possible emergency. Okay. You only need to prepare for the most likely emergency in your area and potentially uh, the most devastating emergency. (laughs) So to your point, people get overwhelmed because they feel like, oh, I have to prepare for this and this and that, and I don't know where to start. And uh, it's so overwhelming. It's not overwhelming because this book will walk you through The threats that you're likely to face and the, and you can, you can weed out 90% of the threats and say, that's not going to happen to me. That's not going to happen to me. I don't need to worry about that. This is the one thing that I need to focus on. Right. That's the point of this book is I'm not trying to get you prepared for everything. I'm trying to get you only prepared for. Whatever is going to be a likely threat to you
4: all right so, so and, and that actually perfectly leads into my question because clearly if you're living in rural Georgia, you don't have to worry about a volcano erupting, but if you're in Washington, you might want to think about Mount St. Helens again or something like that so what right. w- what what would you say is uh the kind of you know basic overall for everybody in the United States? you know what would be your first steps that you would have them begin on,
5: okay so I'm going to talk real quickly about threat assessment, mm-hmm. because in order for you to make good decisions in a crisis, you have to have good information.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: So you're, you want to gather good information and weed out bad information, right? So if you're getting information from Charlie Ward, for example... <laughs> Let's start weeding out some of the bad information and start putting in some of the good information. So if you're, um, when you start thinking about what do I need to prepare for? Like you said, if you live, uh, oh, let's say in Tampa, Florida,
8: Mm -hmm.
5: you might want to do some hurricane preparedness. Sure. Maybe, maybe a good place to start. Why? Because there's a good chance you're going to, you know, see a hurricane in, in a 10 year period your chances of you know getting some hurricane action are pretty good. But I live in Arizona, and guess what I don't prepare for? Hurricanes. I also don't prepare for earthquakes, (laughs) because we don't have earthquakes in Arizona. However, when I lived in Seattle, I lived through a hell of an earthquake, and that helped me identify one of the things I needed to prepare for was earthquakes. The other thing that we had a lot of in western Washington was windstorms. Uh, those big, tall, 150 foot Douglas fir trees that roots are only like three feet deep. Every time the wind gusts would start gusting, those trees would come down, power lines would come down. People would be without power for three to four days, sometimes a couple of weeks. So it, my experience in Washington had me preparing for earthquakes, severe earthquakes, and windstorms. Those are the only two things I really needed to prepare for at that time. So I had a bug out bag and a a tent and some supplies for me and each of my kids in the event that our house was destroyed by an earthquake. Mm. That took care of the earthquake issue. And for the windstorms, I bought a generator and stored gas and had a bunch of uh, extension cords. And that helped us deal with the times when we were without power for two or three days. Right? Right. So in my preparedness, I identified two threats that I needed to prepare for, and I took action that would help me get through those, uh, emergencies if they happened. Now, you asked, uh, what are the, what are the threats that people need to think about? Right. Obviously, if your house is perched on the Pacific Ocean, 200 feet above, um, the coast and the coastline is eroding, um, you could prepare for your house falling into the ocean or you could actually move. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are some ge- geographic situations that some people look, if you live in a if you live in a river valley within the floodplain, you should probably get a bunch of sandbags and prepare for an occasional flood if you live in a river valley. Mm-hmm. Don't live in a river valley. Your chances of getting flooded are relatively small, right? So some of the threats people need to prepare for are are pretty predictable and pretty obvious. Now, that what, are the, what is a threat that everyone probably should prepare for? I would say cyber attacks. If we get into an escalating war with Iran or North Korea or China, I think there's a very good likelihood that we're going to see widespread cyber attacks on power grid uh, providers on potentially internet and, and cell phone service, on water systems, Th- those have already been hit. If you, if you, for some reason, Google when I, whenever I go on Google on my phone, I always have all these stories about cyber attacks and things that are happening. There are cyber attacks happening every day yeah. throughout North America, and a lot of them affect tech providers. In fact, there was a um there was a hospital in Eastern Europe, I think it was Romania, hospital system. It took 26 hospitals offline. It was a um, ransomware attack. And in addition to the 26 hospitals that were taken offline, another 80 hospitals disconnected themselves from the Internet because they didn't want to be infected with the ransomware,
7: mm.
5: right? The, so what happens if your local hospitals in your area – all of them go offline. They have no internet access. How do they access medical records? How do they access all the things they need, you know, billing? And how do they get consultation? Uh, An internet uh, disruption can be a problem for things like healthcare, but it can be a huge problem for um, a power, a local power company that uses the internet <laughs> to switch uh, the loads of power coming in and out of the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I think the universal threat that we all need to prepare for are things like cyber attacks that could potentially hit, uh, water distribution systems, uh, potentially hospital systems and, and other critical infrastructure. So Zach, what's the number one thing that every prepper needs to have first before anything else? Water. Exactly. Yes. Because you can live for three or four weeks without food, but without water, you're going to die in about three days. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And so uh, most, most uh, experts agree that if you set aside one gallon of water per person per day, that is a sufficient amount to get you through uh, a short crisis. Right. So if you, if you can, if you live by yourself, you live alone, uh that means go out to the you know grocery store get 7 gallons of water bring it home sit it in your closet and you've got enough water for a week for mm-hmm. yourself in, in a crisis now that's you're not going to be taking a shower <laughs> 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 that, that water that's going to be for preparing food and drinking only that's not for hygiene if you want to have some you know cleaning yourself and bathing it's you're going to need two or 3 gallons per person per day yeah or what so the first thing to set aside is, is some water. Um, a lot of ways you can do that. Uh, some people use like five gallon jugs that can be sealed. If you're going to store water for long term, you can put a few drops of bleach in it. That'll help, uh, keep it relatively uh, free of bugs and germs. Um, you can treat water with chlorine dioxide if you, as Zach mentioned in the, uh, in the, in the promo. Chlorine dioxide is, is a good water sanitizer. What, what what bleach and boiling and chlorine dioxide does is it will kill bacteria and viruses and microorganisms in the water. What it won't do, it won't remove lead,
7: mm-hmm.
5: uh, toxic uh, chemicals, anything that's suspended. It won't re- remove dirt and rust. So... If you're, if you're in a situation where you're looking at potentially using water that's of questionable quality, it shouldn't just be treated chemically. It should also be filtered.
4: Yeah. I was going to say there's a, you can, so if you have like clear plastic bags, you can take dirty sediment filled water and put it in that bag and then hang it out in the sunshine and gradually over the course of the day, all the sediment will filter out. And then you'll have relatively clean water up top as long as you can siphon it out.
5: Right. So once you have um stored up, set aside, let's say one gallon of water per person in your family per day for however long you feel like your crisis is going to last. Now, that's that becomes a subjective issue because each person has to decide and roughly guess on what they know. How long am I looking at potentially losing water? Is it one week? Is it two weeks? Is it a month? That's up to you. You have to decide what is your safety cushion that you want, Right. your family, your household. Uh, me, um, I have a lot of water stored up in my
4: house. I was going to say, I imagine you've probably got a cistern or maybe a giant catch basin. Out well,
5: uh, I told Denise, that we're moving to Phoenix, we're going to have a pool. <laughs> Because I'm not going to go through 120-degree days in the summer without a
3: damn pool. That makes
5: sense, so yeah. <laughs> we have a 10,000-gallon supply of water in our backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that actually takes me to my next point. Okay. So once you have set aside some water uh, in, in, in canisters or whatever, you should start thinking about finding another, a long-term permanent source of water or a semi-permanent source of water that you could use to augment if you have a lung crisis, a pool, a lake, a pond, a stream, uh anything, any body of water that you have. Maybe your neighbor has a pool mm-hmm. and maybe you can barter something with your neighbor. If you've got extra cans of spam and your neighbor doesn't have spam, but they've got that nice pool water, <laughs> maybe you can trade a few gallons of water for a couple cans of spam, right? Yep. You want to locate... A, a permanent or semi-permanent large source of water that you can have access to for a prolonged crisis So that's the first thing the second thing is food uh, the next thing you need to have is some food set aside uh shelf stable food that's not going to go bad in, in a year uh something you can store on the shelves you know for several years again this comes down to a little bifurcation here in the in the conversation <clears throat> a lot of preppers, don't have a specific time period where they believe an event is going to happen. Uh So they're prepping for 10 years, 15 years, 25 years. They buy shelf-stable food that's good for 25 years. That way, whenever the crisis hits, they're good. There are some people who feel like they're concerned about a crisis happening in the next year. Uh If you want to, you could just buy food that's going to go bad in a year and you have to throw it out um i don't know if i'd recommend that but but that is that is a one perspective on prepping that you could do um i have some things in my pantry that are short shelf life but i rotate through them
7: Mm -hmm.
5: Uh, as i it's i i if you're prepping Buy stuff that you normally eat. <laughs> don't yeah. don't buy exotic things that you're only going to eat, you know, during a zombie
4: apocalypse. Get I truly like tins of sardines. Uh, like I, I I will eat them hey, whether or not there's a crisis. Some
5: people love sardines. They're oh, gross as hell to me, but yeah. some people love
4: them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good.
5: So so. Uh, so One of the nice things about canned food... I'm I'm a fan of canned food. I'm just going to say that up front. One of the nice things about canned food is when food is canned, it is cooked. They have to boil it to a high enough temperature to kill any bacteria that are in there, and then they can it. Well, while they're boiling it, they're cooking it. Mm -hmm. So any canned food is actually pre-cooked. You do not have to heat it up to eat it. Yeah. So if you have canned chicken, canned tuna, canned beef, whatever... You can eat it right out of the can. You don't even need to heat it up. And in a in a crisis where you may not have your electric cooktop because the power is out, you can open up a can of Spam or a can of chicken and, and just eat it raw. Uh And it's not raw. Cold. It's cooked. But you can eat it without heating it up, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. One of the nice things about canned food is it's pre-cooked. It has an indefinite shelf life also. <clears throat> so... When you buy a can of fruit cocktail, it's going to have an expiration date of two or three years. Well, that expiration date is meaningless. Mm-hmm. Canned food has essentially has um, indefinite shelf life. This is actually a study that was done by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Yes, the government. <laughs> the U.S. Department of Agriculture did some testing, and they determined, it's their recommendation that canned food has an indefinite shelf life they opened up canned food that was canned 100 years ago and it was fine yeah yeah it, the texture will change a little bit but uh the nutritional value is not affected <clears throat> so you can leave canned food in your pantry for 20 years 25 years regardless of what the what the expiration date says don't worry about it
4: <clears throat> i'm seeing salsa- I've seen people eating MREs from like the Korean War and World War II. Have you really? I have. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. <laughs> I mean, doesn't taste that great, but it's still it doesn't
5: food. It great, but it's still edible. <laughs> yeah. It's still edible. Yeah. Okay. So then you get into things like freeze dried food and, uh, and, and there's, there's a lot of different varieties. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are big into gardening. Uh, I've got a friend who all of his gardening is done, almost all of it is indoors. He's Mm. got uh, indoor grow lights. He's not growing pot. He's growing (laughs) celery and broccoli. He's big on veggies, so he's growing his veggies indoors. Um, Some people like, um, Mm. you know, the idea of having their own food. And if you have the space and you want to raise chickens, raise pigs, raise, you know, critters, For uh, food for an emergency, not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, My HOA is not down with that, so it's (laughs) not something I'll be doing, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, So food is the next consideration after water. I would say then you're looking at things like um, you might just go right over to communication and make sure you have a good working AM, FM radio. In an emergency, if internet goes down and if cell service goes down, the most, one of the most important things you're going to need is information.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: What is the nature of the crisis? What is happening? Are we under martial law? Has, if martial law has been declared, you want to know about it because it, the rules of engagement change quickly under martial law. We'll talk about that in a minute. If you, most AMFM FM, Broadcast stations have backup generators, so if there's a power outage, internet outage, cell phone outage, very good chance that you're going to have some AM/FM radio stations in your area broadcasting. And if you have a car, you probably have an AM/FM radio in the car. Right. Although some of the newer models are actually getting rid of the AM radio in those.
4: Yeah, my uh, my radio in my car is all digital. So I don't even know if it would pick up anything if something it will. catastrophic happened. Okay, should pick up
5: an analog uh, FM signal. I okay. would think. Okay, if it doesn't, uh, your Baofeng will. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get one. <laughs> no kidding, a twenty dollars Baofeng radio. Most of them, the UV five R, which is the most popular ham radio in the world, uh, has an FM radio uh, option on it. Oh, sweet! Just just passing that along. There you go. A lot of a lot of the the handheld ham radios have FM broadcast. They'll pick up FM broadcasts. Okay, very cool, very cool. Uh, so, so go yeah. ahead, keep going. So I would go to communication next because you're going to have to have information. If you're able to buy a shortwave radio and take a long piece of speaker wire and wrap the little speaker wire around the antenna on your shortwave radio and run that speaker wire up. To the corner of your room and running around around the other side of your room, you'll actually be able to pick up radio stations, uh, amateur radio stations, and shortwave broadcast stations, probably around on, in the all around the Western Hemisphere and some from uh, Asia and Europe. Wow, and 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 this is all I'm talking about: listening radio, AM, FM, shortwave, listening radio. That is for the purpose of gathering information to find out what is going on. What is the nature of the crisis? Was it a nuclear uh, attack? Are we at war? Are we under martial law? You have to know that stuff. You know, if there's been a nuclear blast, where was it? Was it 100 miles away? Was it five miles away? Was it on the other side of the country? You're going to want to know that information. I'm going to talk real quickly about uh, martial law, and then we'll come back to some other things. Okay. One of the things that is critical to understand in a crisis is whether there has been an an emergency declared in your city or county or state or has your governor declared your state to be under martial law. If you are in a situation where martial law has been declared, constitutional rights are suspended. All right? So, generally speaking, under martial law, all constitutional rights are suspended. You do not have the freedom to assemble. You do not have the freedom of speech. You do not have the freedom to protest. You do not have the freedom to carry a handgun. You do not have the right to a speedy trial. Under martial law, all uh criminal activity is prosecuted under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Normally, civilian courts will close and all law enforcement is done by the military or if there's local law enforcement they'll be under military orders and you'll be under the ucmj and like i said generally speaking under martial law no right to you do not have freedom to protest you do not have the right to carry a, a handgun if you if a bunch of your friends if there's civil unrest and rioting and a bunch of your friends say, hey, let's get out of the Capitol, man. We're going to protest. And they've declared martial law. Whoever shows up down there is going to get arrested. Yeah. So it's critical to know in a crisis, what are the ground rules that you're operating under? Has a, Has a, there been a declaration of emergency? Are there shelters being set up by FEMA or by Homeland Security or by the military? Where are the shelters at? Are they providing food and water? Are they providing housing for people who need it? Uh, you know, What are the safe places to go? What are the no-go zones? Have they been had, in some areas, there, there's going to be increased looting, shootings, robberies. There will be places where they'll tell people, stay the hell away from this area because it's a war zone. Uh-huh. You can get that information off of a radio, off of just a basic FM radio. In fact, most, um, all urban areas over a certain population. They have designated emergency broadcast stations that in, in a crisis, those stations automatically switch over to all of their broadcasting will be information about the crisis. That's all they're going to be doing is providing information to the public, the nature of the crisis, the duration of the crisis, what are the rules, where are the no-go zones, what can you do, what can you not do, where can you find shelter, where can you find food. If you have an AMFM radio And you can tune into that to to your local station that's broadcasting that information. It will give you a ton of information about what you should be doing and not doing in a crisis. So, uh, Zach, commentary on that?
4: Uh, No, I mean, it's all very, very good (laughs) advice. And that certainly is something to think about. You know, I mean, it... um... If if you don't know what's going on, the worst thing that you could probably do is like, you know, hey, I'm just going to go drive into the city center and see if I can tell if something is wrong. You know, who knows what the heck has gone on and you've got to have a, at least some semblance of the actual situation because you might walk into a really bad one.
5: All right. Lessons learned from the Argentina economic collapse from 20 years ago. And and I've got a friend on uh on Twitter. Uh his handle is uh, not his handle. His name is uh, Mitt Romney. Is a hologram. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's former military and law enforcement, and maybe active duty law enforcement. He said that they have they have done a lot of research in in what he's done, and they have determined that the first seventy two hours of an emergency are the most critical to not be outside mm-hmm. on the streets. <clears throat> If there is a, um, a crisis, whether it's uh, bank runs or economic collapse or civil unrest and rioting or whatever's going on, during the first 72 hours, you do not want to be out on the streets. You want to be in your house, hanging out with your cans of spam, and <laughs> sitting by your radio, listening to what's going on, have your doors and windows locked, Have your shotgun loaded and ready to go and stay in the house. Yes. Do not go outside because the most dangerous time during a crisis is the first 72 hours when people are rioting, looting, shooting, beating, freaking out. You don't want to be out there where all the crazy people are going crazy. You want to be in your house, hanging out, chilling and waiting for all that stuff to blow over. Um, One of the things about bug out, bugging out is this if you're in a situation if you're in an apartment or a house and you know that that area is not going to be tenable if there's civil unrest and rioting i've got a friend who lives down in the ghetto in phoenix um in one of the worst parts of the city and i feel bad for the guy but if we have a poo hits the fan situation Mm -hmm that guy is going to have to get the hell out of his location immediately because that place is going to turn into a war zone. As soon as anything pops off, that place is going to be a war zone. Yes. So if you live in an area where you know it's not going to be tenable long-term, as soon as you get wind, that something is going down, that there's some kind of crisis going on, you want to get out of there as quickly as you can and go to someplace that's safe. And that requires you to To have a safe place, a friend, a relative who lives in another area that is going to be relatively safe in a crisis. If you, in as soon as you know that that your your location is untenable, and there's a crisis hitting that's going to be an extended period of time, you want to get out of there. If your location is defensible and relatively safe. You want to stay hunkered down for the first 72 hours. Do not go outside. Do not leave for 72 hours. If you at any point, um, if your neighborhood is being overrun, if, you're, if you sense that your house and your personal safety is in immediate danger, that is the time to bug out. Um, <clears throat> I would say, and, and most experts agree, would say this, Stay in your house, stay where you are as long as you can, until and unless the situation becomes to gets to the point where you're about to be overrun and your house is going to be destroyed and you're going to be killed. If you get a sense that everything has changed and what was safe is no longer safe and your neighborhood is being burned and and there's looting and going on, it's only a matter of time before they come to your house. That would be the point to bug out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a bug-out, look at whether it's an RV or a car or a friend or a neighbor. That's that's the point where you want to leave your house and go to someplace safer. Um, realize that if you bug out of your house during a crisis, you may come back to uh, ashes.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, you're you're going to sac- you may sacrifice your house or squatters, leaving. or squatters <clears throat> who have destroyed everything in your house, ripped out the everything that's worth having. Yeah. So these are, you know, these are difficult things to discuss. But um, look, there's a lot of financial experts right now who are very concerned about what's happening with the stock market. Mm. We have a massively high Dow Jones, uh, Nasdaq. The stock market is making get high gains like crazy, and there's no fundamentals to support any of it. <laughs> there's going to be a big, big stock market correction coming at some point not too distant future. Yeah. Uh we the Federal Reserve and the Treasury are printing money like it's going out of style because they have to try to keep inflation down. And if they don't keep printing money and uh inflation's going to get out get well the more they print money the more inflation's going to go. If they stop printing money we're going to uh we're, we have bigger problems. They have Printed so much money we have so much debt that at some point um we're gonna have to pay the piper Hmm. and i think there's a very good likelihood of a severe financial crisis in the not too distant future yeah severe financial crisis means bank runs means you know all all kinds of turmoil and in those situations you can just look back historically what happened in argentina during their economic collapse society devolves into chaos um <clears throat> During an economic collapse, um, banks shut down, public service. So fire, EMS, law enforcement. If their checks are not clearing the banks, they're not going to come into work. People who work in, in uh, sewage treatment and water treatment and the power utilities. If those people are not being paid, they're not going to come into work. Then you lose sewer, you lose water, you lose your power. Uh, or it becomes intermittent at best <clears throat> in an economic collapse. Things get very, very dangerous. And those are the types of things we could experience here in the not too distant future. All things you need to prepare for. And like I was saying, if you, if we get into a situation where there's mass civil unrest or just localized in your area, stay in your house, stay safe until and unless your location becomes untenable, then get to a safe place. <clears throat> Going to s- switch really quickly to emergency backup power. Okay, because because um, there are a lot of different things that can happen t- that would cause us to lose power, whether it's windstorms or a hurricane or a cyber attack. Having access to emergency power is critical. Uh, a lot of ways to do that. You can store gasoline in your in your garage. Put in some stabilizer in the gas cans. You can store gas for several years. <clears throat> propane has an almost indefinite storage life. You can store propane in, in the containers for just forever. Uh, if you have, you know, six or seven tanks of propane stored up, you can run your barbecue grill <laughs> off of the propane. You can run a generator off of propane. Uh, propane is, is a pretty good source of energy to provide emergency backup power. I live in Phoenix. We have sun here 320 days a year. So I have solar panels and solar generators. I can throw my solar panels out in my backyard. I can charge my solar generators, bring the generators inside, swap them out, keep my refrigerators going. So I keep my, you know, food from spoiling and provide the necessary power I need inside my house using solar. Uh, A lot of different options and a lot of different sizes. You know, you can go anywhere from small generators. That will power a couple of, you know, a curling iron, a hair, a hair dryer, maybe a coffee maker, uh, two large, um, generators that will power your entire house. A lot of options in the book. I, I lay out all the different options for gas, propane, natural gas power generators, solar, <clears throat> um, and, and everything in between. And, you know, kind of caveats to using. Uh, different, the different types of, uh, generators. Uh, and of course, you need to think about extension cords and adapters. Mm -hmm. Um, any, any kind of generator is going to have, is going to need some kind of adapter, several extension cords to get the power to where that you, where it is that you need it. Generators generally are designed to run outside. One of the reasons I like solar is I can charge my solar generators outside. And I can bring the generator inside and provide power to my radios and whatever else I need without having you know, extension cores running through the house. Right. Uh, your turn, Zach.
4: <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, another thing to think about is, I mean, obviously – Uh, If you're running a generator on gasoline, um, you want to make sure that you have uh, adequate airflow because I've heard some real horror stories, people setting them up in their garage or whatever, and then CO2 builds up and, you know, next thing you know, you're dead. But another uh, important aspect is if you are running a generator and uh, you're powering a whole bunch of stuff in your home, you want to make sure that the the extension cord you have uh, is powerful enough to make sure that it doesn't end up melting on you or or starting a fire or something like that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah, it's it's if you're going to get into the world of generators,
5: <laughs> it's good to start learning a little bit about voltage and amperage and what is a heavy enough um cable to supply the power that I, I bought. This. We have we have a generator, a uh, natural gas generator that runs to our breaker panel Mm -hmm. and we have an interlock on the breaker panel that we can turn off the power that's coming in from the grid and just run our house on the generator the the 50 amp cable that supplies power from the generator to the outlet is about that big around it's a big boy (laughs) that's for sure it's like a two inch wide freaking cable yeah but it's providing 50 amps of current Uh, that's a lot of freaking power uh, so, yeah, this to Zach's point, you don't want to use small, thin, little extension cords to power uh, appliances that use a lot of energy. You want to use the correct extension cords, correct adapters, and <clears throat> so that you don't burn your house down.
4: Yep. Uh, that's the last so, thing you want if you're in the midst of the apocalypse, is to
5: have yeah, your house gets exactly. burnt down.
4: All right. Just so,
5: have a, a, a fire in your bedroom. Oh, yeah. Bad
4: news. You know,
5: that that's no bueno. No, no.
4: All right. So I want to go through a couple of these thank yous over here on uh, Rumble and Pilled. And then we've got a host of people on the phones. I don't know that we're going to get to everybody tonight, guys. But when we do, do me a favor. Keep it succinct. Let's do one question a apiece. Uh, let me begin over here with EC was here. He says a small donation for my fave my two favorite YouTubers Eh, Ex-Youtubers. Also, Fredo Ex-Youtubers. is right about the show. <laughs> yeah, we are ex-Youtubers, that's for sure. Um, uh, Fredo also says, uh, So that wasn't you messaging me on Telegram with, I hope you're having a nice day. How are you find my channel? <laughs> they always speak in broken English. If it's not a way that I would speak naturally on the air, it's definitely not me. And then Fredo also says, uh, what is the name of your book, Dave, and where can we buy it? Well, conveniently enough, I have passed the link out. It's also in the description of the video, and let me just... Go over here can you to put up the graphic or should I hold it up? No, no, no. You go ahead and hold it up also, but I'm going to pull it up here on screen. Emergency preparedness and off grid communication. Uh, let me go ahead and pass it out. You can get it on Amazon. You can also get it on Barnes and Noble. Uh, Dave, do you sell it directly through your website? Like, no. OK.
5: Oh, I, I would, except I don't have a PayPal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In addition to YouTube and everything else, I got D PayPal. I did too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Amazon and Barnes and Noble are the best places to buy the paperback. It's available on Nook and Kobo and Apple Books and most of the
4: ebook outlets as well. Okay, cool. Uh, then let's see. Uh, Fredo, thank you again, buddy. Uh, Tricia says, "Oh, Dave, what was that? What was the name of that phone again that you showed us? You said it was a uh, uh, Nokia." No, Nextel. Nextel is the is the provider. Next, so it, it's it, get a next
5: cell phone, and this is an i three sixty five.
4: Okay, and that's a Motorola.
5: This is a Motorola. Yes. correct. Yes. You see a little moto Motorola emblem yep. up there. Yeah. Uh, yep. There's, like I said, there's about ten or twelve different different models that will have the. You know what? Hang on a second. Direct I'm, Connect. I'm not right. lying to you. Uh, let's go to. Doo-doo. Direct. It's. I said if I said direct connect, I meant direct talk.
4: Direct talk. Okay. I think it used to be called direct connect a long time ago.
5: Yeah. Direct talk is the feature that you're looking for. Like I said, if you go on the internet and put in nextel phones with direct talk capability, you'll get a list of ten or twelve different models. Yeah. And then you can go on eBay and uh, you know purchase a couple of them. Make sure you get them with sim cards. The four phones that I bought came with seven sim cards. Okay. The seller was really nice. He threw in some extras. You you do need a sim card, but it doesn't need you don't need cell service and you don't need uh wireless. So Okay. Cool.
4: So yeah, Tricia, there are uh many different options out there. My only advice was to try to find ones that are the candy bar style, not the flip phones uh because moving parts equal uh, you know, things that can break. Uh, and then let's see. Fredo says, I'm ordering my satellite communicator now, Zach. We'll get yours ASAP. I can't wait. Apologize Apologies to Lisa <laughs> in advance. It'll be a blast. Sleep is overrated. Uh, then he also says, uh, a lot of what you guys are talking about tonight uh, creates my hesitancy towards Bitcoin. If and when SHTF... How do you access your wealth? I have a lot of silver for that reason. I like physical currency. You know, I mean, that's an excellent point. A lot of people bring that up. You can get your cryptocurrency uh on a, on a cold storage, which is essentially it, it's like a USB drive, basically, and it stays in your possession. But again, if there is no electricity or we have an EMP or but something you, like
5: that, how do you trade it?
4: Though? Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, there's nothing. There's no way to do it. So. Silver is my favorite, too, and especially because I got screwed on all of my crypto. Uh, I haven't gotten back into the market, and I, I don't anticipate I, I will.
5: I'm a big fan of
4: silver. Yeah, me and, too. And <clears throat> if you like gold, look into um, goldbacks. Yes, I got a bunch of those, too. Uh, Fredo is a big fan of that, yeah. I, I just bought a bunch of goldbacks last week. Yeah. Um, fractionalized gold
5: that... I think in a shit hits a fan situation would probably be pretty good.
4: Bartering totally uh, goods. Yeah, I agree. Uh, then he says desert flashpoint wants to know about a family comms plan and Arden mesh. They also desert said
5: flashpoint. <laughs>
4: <Holy moly. laughs> uh, and he also says, they I also said leave. Mohap, but not confident they were thinking it. <laughs>
5: okay. All right. De- desert flashpoint is my buddy. Okay. Is this Did the one, is this the one you He's were actually, talking about? Yes. Okay. He and I, he and I do a lot of radio communication testing. Uh, when he writes an article, he sends it to me for review before he publishes it. Uh, he's, he's a really good friend of mine. I've known him for years. So he's asking about the family comms plan. Mm-hmm. And what else is he asking about?
4: Uh, and the Arden mesh is Arden, Arden- mesh different than the Laura mesh. Holy moly.
5: Arden Mesh is very different from uh, Laura Mesh. So LoRa uses these low power radios. Yep. Okay. And Arden Mesh is for amateur radio operators. It's it. Arden stands for, it's an acronym, Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network, A-R-E-D-N. Okay. It is for ham radio
4: operators. And Zach, are you ready for this? Is it internet on the radio? Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. Okay. <laughs> it's broadband.
5: And my, right over there, if I could show you, I would. I have a computer. I have an old Panasonic Toughbook sitting up there on my shelf that is connected to a router board. And the router board is connected to a parabolic dish antenna up on the roof of my house that's pointed ten north. And is connected to another uh, node, and I typically get sixty to seventy megs throughput on that connection.
4: That's like because your average basic connection nowadays. It's
5: like your average yeah. basic internet connection. It's it's five G. Wow. So what that what these ham radio operators have done is they've t- they've repurposed Wi-Fi network equipment. And they're using it for amateur radio. Very cool. And so we create a network of nodes, and sixty to seventy megs. You can do you can stream data, a lot of video on that, right? Mm-hmm. So, what what people do is they've got they've got video cameras that are connected via uh usually power over Ethernet, but sometimes Ethernet cable going into the router uh, into the router board, and the router board then. Uh, takes that information, sends it to your antenna, zooms it out to another node that receives it and, and that uh, node is connected to another node, to another node, to another node, to another node. Here in the most metropolitan areas actually have Arden networks in them. You can go on the Arden website, <clears throat> a-r-e-d-n dot org, I think. And there's a map there. If you pull up the map, it'll actually show you hmm. in your area where the Arden nodes are. That's great. Right now. we have uh, I think probably twenty-five or thirty nodes here in the Phoenix area. <clears throat> they cover the valley from East Valley to West Valley. So we have um, we do bulletin We have a bulletin board service where anyone who's on the network can jump on And put in text messages on the bulletin board.
7: Mm
5: -hmm. We can do, uh, voice chat, direct chat, keyboard to keyboard. There's a lot of video nodes, video services that are on. We have voice over internet phone. Wow. All right. So I've got a phone. I've got a grand stream phone that's plugged into my router board that is dial up IP. (laughs) Uh, I put on the. Mesh networks. My uh, IP address, which is it's a uh, ten dot like four six two dot zero nine one three. Right, that's my IP address. And it, anyone else on the network can punch in <clears throat> my IP address on their phone, and they cor- connect right to my phone. That's so, so
4: crazy! I've never so heard of that
5: <laughs> phone. So we have phone that's dial up uh, by IP
4: over radio. Wow. Is that mind blowing? That is totally mind blowing. Yes. How cool. Yes. Man, you've really thought this out. I am impressed. Dude, I have been <laughs> working on this
5: crap for like so for like years. And oh. people wonder, like, why aren't you doing any live streams anymore? How come you're not doing videos? I'm like, because I'm learning. Like, I'm not an IT guy. I do not have any background or interest in this crap. For me to learn this stuff, it has taken an enormous amount of time. I bet to learn how to put this gear together and make it work. Wow. But it's actually a very cool capability.
4: Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh White Knight 126, he says, Yes, I agree. It's important to be prepared within your ability. And at the same time, tomorrow isn't promised. Carpe diem. Oh, yeah, obviously. I mean, like, anything can go wrong at any time. And, you know, I mean... This is the thing about like you know the idea of a thermonuclear war. Either you know I'll be okay or I won't, and I won't really know. <laughs> you know, I mean,
5: I'm, I'm praying for I'm praying for a cyber attack and not the thermonuclear <laughs> war. You know, because I think, I think my odds are pretty good with a cyber attack. Nuclear war, n- uh, not so good.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know, so I mean, what w- worse comes to worse? You wake up and you're like, Hey, God, w- how did I get here? You know, and that's it. Uh, okay. And then, uh, it's Tony man says, where do I get a $35 GMRS license? Is that through the federal government, the state government? Go on the FCC website. FCC. Okay.
5: And go to licenses and you'll end up getting a, an FRN which is a federal registration number. You go on the FCC website, apply for an FRN. You'll get it, put in your email, put in your contact information, uh, pay your $35 fee. No, wait a second. First you get the FRN. They will email you a confirmation saying that here's your FRN. It's a 10-digit number. That's your federal registration number. Then go back to the FCC website once you have the FRN and then go to the GMRS license page and you can apply for a GMRS license. You put in your FRN, you pay your $35. They send you an email with a call sign that is your call sign that you can use for you and your family and your friends. And it's that simple. Oh awesome. uh, no test.
4: So we are Yankee Bravo two six seven or something like that. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> and then the sweet sound says do you recommend a special radio to listen to what's going on? Shortwave or you know what's what's your go-to?
5: All right. I would if I was gonna recommend a shortwave radio, I would recommend the Tech Sun PL uh th- I think it's a three hundred. It is. You know what?
4: Might as well <laughs> be precise, Dave. <laughs> I'll, 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 no, it will be precise. Yes, yes. I'll tell you
5: um, what uh, that you're looking for: an inexpensive um, radio that does that does single sideband, and the reason for that is. Um, because amateur radio, ham radio people, use single sideband. Here's the one you want. Yeah, it's PL330. It's the TechSun, T-E-C-S-U-N, 330, a PL330. TechSun PL330 is the model. <clears throat> the reason why why you want to look at that radio is it does. It, it's a good radio. It's got a good speaker. It's got good uh, features on it, and it does single sideband. The reason why that's important is if you want to just listen to AM and FM broadcast radio stations, you can get a less expensive radio. This one is $79 on Amazon. You can buy a $35 um, <clears throat> uh, shortwave radio that does AM and FM, and it'll be fine. If you want to listen to ham radio operators, you need a radio that does single sideband
7: okay
5: that radio will have upper and lower sideband when when ham radio operators are talking uh, usually above a frequency of 10 megahertz they'll be on upper sideband below 10 megahertz they'll be on lower sideband and if you don't have uh, the right mode which is upper or lower sideband you won't be able to hear um what they're saying it'll be it'll just sound like noise okay so that is that's a radio that i recommend there are more expensive ones there are less expensive ones it's, it's a good you know starter uh shortwave radio that's good for that purpose
4: all right and uh united we stand forever in the chat just dropped a link to my gmrs.com which appears to be uh, a a place to buy radios online do you know this website i
5: i didn't know that you could buy radios there <clears throat> i go there because it has a gmrs map feature where you can oh look for your location and see if there's any GMRS repeaters around you. Got it. But maybe they do sell radios there too.
4: Yeah, they've got Uh, uh, GMRS radios, FRS radios, MURS radios, portable, mobile, antennas, repeaters, power supplies, and uh, et cetera.
5: Yeah, and just real quickly, Mm -hmm. uh, there are a number of different radio bands that you can use Without a license. Mm-hmm. So FRS, family radio service, anyone can use. The, the FRS radios typically are low power. Um, they're, the, the power limit on FRS is two watts. Say, uh, let's see. MERS is multiple use radio service. MERS, the limit is two watts. Unlicensed. You can, you don't need a license to work, operate on MERS. There are radios that operate on MERS. Uh, and then there's actually, one that's overlooked a lot is marine radio. Mm. Marine radio does not require a license. Uh, there are, I think, there's over eighty channels that are used on marine radio, and you can go up to twenty five watts of power on marine radio. Like I said, doesn't require a license. Okay, all right. There's a lot of options in, in in radio, and the book in the book, I cover the necess- the pertinent information on all of those bands
4: and the equipment you would use to uh, to to operate on them. Okay, cool beans. Uh, and then, let's see, Fredo says, really gross question, uh, but does that, but does the universal antidote make urine drinkable? Funny story. Urine actually exits your body relatively uh, uh, clean. If you had to drink relatively your urine. It's
5: sterile. Actually, yeah. If you don't have a UTI, yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. As long as you don't have a UTI, it is <laughs> sterile. So if you had to drink urine, you could. I I mean, there are people who do it honestly and swear by it and say that it's good for you, but it's not the kind of thing that I've ever done or wanted to do.
5: I um, might run it through
4: a Berkey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Oh, God unless you ate, unless you ate asparagus, and then you got to throw the uh, the burkey out uh let's see uh he he says or just real water that is polluted, hopefully it never comes to that. I suggest filling bap- bathtubs by the way, just in case yes definitely i mean it I, I've never thought about putting it into anything else, but you know like Dave said, it, it kills bacteria pathogens viruses, anything like that um and then Fredo again says. Fos FOS Power Emergency Weather Radio Model A1 NOAA AM/FM with 200 megahertz, uh, 200 megahertz, 7400 uh, Wh portable power bank, USB solar hand crank charging, battery operated SOS alarm and flashlight. Amazon, good stuff in my opinion. So yes.
5: okay, yeah, I've got one. Okay. I have a Voyager, one of those little radios that has a the little hand crank yeah. and the solar. Before I got into ham radio, I thought, "Oh, I gotta have a emergency radio so I can like listen to what's going on in, in the grid." And okay, if <clears throat> you you could use those, um, they're very very limited on their capabilities as far as radios go. Um, you know, some would argue that the most useful feature on those is actually the flashlight. Okay, uh- <laughs> solar panel's nice too. You know. You know, it, it'll it'll give you AM and FM radio. It'll give you the weather uh, frequencies uh, usually, and it may it may have a limited spectrum, but it's not going to have upper and lower sideband. It's not going to have you know ham radio stuff. So we got to go deep you know, on this stuff. I think. If it's me, I would spend a little bit more and I'd get a decent uh, shortwave radio.
4: Okay, uh, and and you know, and buy a bunch of batteries. For not it. a bad idea uh number one indiana dad says loving the show very informative uh you can get the book from barnes and noble not from the amazon commie buzzards uh bought (laughs) i bought three for my children and Mohab. (laughs) i i have
5: a love hate relationship with amazon oh yes because as an author 90 percent of my royalties come from amazon it's true yeah however the bastard's blacklisted my two most popular books you
4: know you know that wasn't a coincidence
5: (laughs) so i'm like okay well that's how you are huh
4: yeah Uh, let's see. Fredo also says, you are a champion, Zach. Late night for you, and we appreciate it, brother. Uh, I love the show. Gets uh, Gents, hope Lisa is okay. didn't see her in the chat. Enjoy your day off tomorrow. Thank you so much. I'm going to be uh, painting the ceiling in my bathroom. Uh, and then Trisha says, Zach, Ronnie, Donnie, Bonnie needs to be muted. I think somebody took care of that. I, th- I saw Lisa pop in. Uh, and then Andrew Castell says, Zach, did you get the mug? If you mean that you sent a mug... To my mailbox, uh, I haven't gotten it yet. I did get a couple of notifications that things arrived, but I just haven't had the opportunity to go to the P.O. box this week. Uh, all right, and then now I have to go through the thank yous over on Pilled, and then we're going to take a couple of quick calls. Uh, so let me just say, NX17 says, RP and Praying Medic, uh, two of the most beloved OGs. Thank you, bud. Uh, Daily Insanity, thank you, Red Pill, for having Dave on tonight. It's so good to see his face again. Yes, definitely. And, you know, you're still making videos, just not as much.
5: Just not as much. I've yeah. really been focusing on books and,
4: uh, getting my radio gear together. Hey, man. Yeah. You know, it's passion. Uh, let me see. Porpoiseful. Thank you for the two cookies. Net folks. Thank you. Filter dog one says praying, praying medic is a grift. Well, I if you feel that way, you feel that way, but he's, he's a pretty good hey, dude.
5: Hey, you can yeah. call me a grifter as long as you buy one of my books. <laughs>
4: Right on. Uh, let's see. Bro dude says, Hey, Zach, ask Dave, uh, why he doesn't jump on the foxhole. We would love to have him. The foxhole where people are donating right now. Honestly, it's a hundred percent free speech platform and, uh, there are people there who know you.
5: Uh, yeah. I, I actually, I think I, I installed a foxhole app and I created an account there. Yeah. I'm just not doing a lot of videos right now. I mean, I do my supernatural Saturday once a month. Yeah. That's really about it. I'm not doing a lot of, uh, videos right
4: now okay no problem uh then sean joe thank you very much for the cookie and the can and the other cookie and then another cookie mez says three things to prep for are beans rice and jesus christ amen good for you uh too quick says how are cb radios cb radios
5: are interesting as heck they have an advantage and they have a drawback um, the drawback on most CB radios is they have, they're pretty limited on power, about four Watts for the average typical CB radio. Um, nice thing about citizen band radios, no license required. Uh, you can talk to truckers up and down the freeway. If you, if you live near, near a highway, you'll be able to get, you know, truckers going back and forth. Citizen band radios are actually fairly useful for short distance communication, a couple of miles. Um, Lim- limited range, couple of miles, uh, no license required. And, and, and here's the, here's the kicker. Because the frequency of the citizen band radio is roughly 26 to 27 megahertz. Mm-hmm. It's in the HF radio spectrum, which means. Those dang radio signals might go up to the ionosphere, skip off and come back down, and you'll be talking to somebody in North Carolina from uh, Ohio. <clears throat> the cool thing about citizen band radio is you can actually, if you have the right kind of antenna, you can use it as sort of an, ham- an amateur radio setup. Uh, if the 11 meter band is open, and actually right now radio propagation is really good on bands from 10 up to 15 meters. So, uh, you know, if you, if Citizen ban is your thing, CB, hey, go for it. You can have fun with it.
4: Right on. Uh, and then let's see. Slug Trail says, make sure to read executive orders under martial law. They start at 10,000. Uh, and then Michelle Ann says, outstanding show. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. We've got DJ Vector coming in hot. Do you know who Vector is? He's our Australian correspondent. No. <clears throat> well, he's a good dude. Vector, are you there? Uh here he comes. Vector, you're on the air. Go ahead and unmute. What's up, buddy?
9: All oh, right, DJ Victor in the house. Hello, Zach. How you doing? Tiffany. <laughs> Tiffany's in the house as well. How you doing? <laughs> Hello, Dave. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm hey, <laughs> Yes, indeed. I'm an OGQ guy from the beginning, guys. I've been there from the beginning. I've been watching you from the very, very start. I'm a devout Christian. This whole movement has made me an even more devout Christian. And um I've really I'm really excited to speak to you, Dave. So thank you so much for everything that you've been doing. You're actually the real deal. You're actually not an infiltrator or a piece of shit like all these other people. You were there from the start. And um, yeah, you've you've done some great stuff. You covered covered everything. Serial brain two, all of it. You know, I really appreciate your work and I appreciate Zach. I've got to give Zach a huge set. Like shout out. I mean, Thank you. amazing. Uh, I don't know how he does it day in and day out. I'm working my ass off and, uh, I'm still admiring the work that you guys are doing. So I'm humbled and I just wanted to say that Astray is with you. There are patriots around the world with the spirit of America. We're never going to give up guys. Uh, and we love you. So we're doing this for a reason. It's global. It is biblical. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the 17th letter. After the fact all these years later Dave um go ahead sir.
5: You'd like to hear my thoughts
9: on the 17th letter after the fact. I would say.
5: Uh yes. I don't think the 17th letter is done number 1 because the second to the last post one of the anons said hey Q is it time for another question and answer and Q said uh, I think scheduled for a future time. So I think Q is going to come back I think that Q is probably silent right now because of uh well, operational security. Uh Trump's not in the White House and his people are not um in the lever controlling the levers of power right now. It would probably be unwise for Q to be posting. Uh I'm sure there are people in the Intel agencies that would love to find out who Q is. Like mm-hmm. Q just be on you know be on the board running his mouth. Probably not a good time to do that. So I think Q is coming back. That said, uh, I've been reflecting a lot on the last three years and trying to re, try, um, sort of reanalyzing, looking at the Q posts afresh in light of what's been happening over the last three years. And some of my basic assumptions have kind of changed a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm still, um, very much convinced that Q is a military intelligence operation. That was designed by Trump, that has uh, probably exceeded their expectations. You um, know, woke up a lot of people to the realities of corruption.
9: Dave, maybe it was already designed, and Trump was chosen to go and execute this plan that awesome. they that people talk about because this seems like it was designed for such a long time, and yeah. they just think the perfect guy for the job to execute it. Am I right? I we think, don't know what's going on.
5: I think that's a reasonable uh, assumption. No, knowing that I'm sure there were good people in the in the military who wanted to do something like this, wanted to expose corruption, but they had to have somebody as commander in chief who they would buy into it. And so, yeah, I, I
4: think that's totally possible. Or, or there's a time travel element, and President Trump came back from the future. To set it Project up in looking the
9: past. Glass. That's right. <laughs> I was about to say, looking glass. What about, uh, Baron Trump's amazing adventures or whatever it is? Yeah. This is not really making sense. Then you've got Pepe, point entering, point exiting, possibly. Um, and the Chardelet song and all kinds of stuff. The, the cult of Keck. This is really starting to confuse me. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to get on the bordering of being insane. Uh, after eight years of what nine years after the Pizzagate, all that stuff. Oh yeah. It's all. but away it's all starting to come out there's all the connections with epstein and everybody else it's drip 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 flood um i'm a very patient man dave and zach but um at some point like i think it's going to have to be this year something's going to have to break something's going to go down and there are going to be people getting arrested and going to jail so if you're those people on those boards that are those two week people that are saying two two more weeks where the arrests i'm telling you that i have a funny feeling that there are going to be some big arrests coming look at Fanny Willis and Fulton County, everything that they do just falls apart like a pile of shit, like a cheap Chinese motorcycle. Um, it's beautiful to watch, but it's scary as well.
4: Maril- what do you think, what do you- Marilyn Mosby. The nation's first BLM prosecutor from Baltimore just was found guilty of mortgage fraud and perjury, and she's going to prison. Likely going to lose Thanks. her law license. Uh, I would not be surprised if Fannie Willis also doesn't end up getting disbarred because uh, her testimony. Well, I mean, all of the witnesses for you know her and the rest of the DA's department. Her father, Nathan Wade. Uh, you know, Terrence Bradley totally impeached them. Her her best friend from college impeached both of them as well. Yeah, it it, it's not looking too good. That was a hot mess. Hey Zach. Yeah.
5: If Trump gets back into the White House, the next U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Georgia is going to be a Republican.
4: Ooh. Ooh, that's nice. That's very nice. <laughs> I yes. think it's going to come back to bite those people. I, yeah, I tend to think so. Tend to think so. Mm. All right, well, listen, v- Vector, we got to take the next caller, buddy. We have so many people on right. the line, and I'm I'm going to pass out here soon. So, uh I, we we love you, and I'm so glad you were the first caller
9: i love you too zach i love you too dave uh it's a pleasure and uh make america great again that's all i got for you so there's that uh, little rocket man I'll see you later all right. Thanks. peace Thanks, man see ya all right that Next. was great he's yeah he, he is awesome he's awesome. He
4: is awesome all right caller you're on the air can we cool. get your name
10: Ah, uh, it's KC. Good Saturday evening, Dave and Zach. Excellent. Hey, KC.
4: Welcome, KC. And, hey. And hey, I'm, uh, I, just, I just want to request that you uh, keep it to one question so that we can Zoom through all these calls. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And
10: I just came in when you guys were talking about drinking urine. So I'm going to ask, <laughs> is it okay to drink Bud Light again? <laughs> you know what? I'll drink piss before I drink Bud Light. But, I mean, I don't drink, so. There you go. <laughs> Oh, I, I did have a, a serious technical question about communications for, for Dave. Okay. But I really would be remiss if I didn't mention. Zach, have you been watching what's happening to, uh, one of your former guests, uh, Ashton Forbes? Um,
4: the I, 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 I saw that he, he, he's coming back on the show here next month. And, and I saw that there was something about him retiring from the investigation, but I haven't taken a close look. So no, I guess I really don't know. I, he's
10: being bullied. He's being oh. doxxed. and it's yeah. just—I hate when that happens to any one of your guests. Yeah, just yeah. you know, uh, the the Red Pill family, Badlands—they really need to sponsor and get behind guests to come on and say what they have to say. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't be pilloried by bigger media outlets to you know say what you have to say. You know, debate is great, but not you know, Samson. Uh, you know, David versus Goliath. Absolutely. But anyhow, Dave, uh, you're talking about the old VHS and UH, UHF and VHF, uh, the analog signals. I was always curious when they, you know, went to digital, those, uh, TV channels. I mean, they obviously didn't, didn't disappear. Is there some way, you know, the government could reinstate them for some sort of, uh, practical service? for communications because obviously the C B, the shortwave radios, I got walkie talkies, so those are only as good as probably your sight line as well. But I just look at it, why haven't we utilized those as some sort of communication? I mean not everybody has the old TVs, but I gotta think the whole capacitor motherboard has got to be a lot simpler than the digital stuff is now.
5: Yep. And there are still broadcast stations that are transmitting analog signals on UHF and VHF. Well, little so those known, signals are being, yes, utilized. A little known s- secret, but they're still broadcasting uh, analog UHF and VHF. Oh, wow. Uh, and if someone had a, a, a TV with rabbit ears, <laughs> they are capable of picking up that
10: signal, they could certainly uh, tune in. Yeah, cause I've heard kind of signals and stuff, but also you, you mentioned you monitor Asia and the Pacific. Yep. First thing you get up, I just, I want to make a comment because I think if it's a economic disaster, first of all, there won't be rioting until the weather gets better. George Floyd told us that, <laughs> but watch Hong Kong because if it's economic, that's where the money flows in and out. And if it's China, that's the, that's the place to listen into because Not only is it us, but it's the British, it's everybody else that has their money there. And I want to say it'll probably be before Taiwan, but uh, they'll they'll be the indicator in in that connection. And uh, we we got a timeline. I don't want to make any predictions, but uh, the RNC convention, if we can make it past that point, they do have to release the defensive briefings to the nominee, and that'll be Trump. So... That's a, a mile marker. If we can get there, you yeah. know, uh, they've got to give it the defensive briefings, unlike in 2016. So wow. I would say that's going to be a mile marker to look forward to Good point. if we can get through the summer of riots or summer of love. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, Casey, I appreciate your call. Great point there, buddy. And let's hope uh, Iran doesn't uh, attack Antarctica. You heard that one in the news? No, I missed it. But why I, would they attack? Oh, Iran is attacking Antarctica. Oh, so wow. Maybe maybe it'll be with space
4: lasers. <laughs> I'll check it out after the show. All right, bro. Have a great night. All right, God, God bless and God
10: keep bless. up the good work, Dave.
4: Zach,
5: yes. apparently Iran has claimed Antarctica as its own territory. <laughs>
1: have they
4: really?
5: Oh,
1: go on the
4: interwebs and you'll find news stories about it. Oh, I'll have to check it out. What? All right, next caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Caller, can you hear me? 93917. 3917. Yes, sorry. It's okay. Welcome to the program. Hear me now? Yes, we've got you. <laughs> What's your name?
11: Yes, uh, Alex, first time caller here. I uh, appreciate you guys uh, covering the material that you had. Welcome, Alex. Uh, quick question: You brought up uh, Berkey water filters, and understand that they are going through some legal troubles with the EPA related to their filters and pesticides and so forth. And just want to bring that up. that It isn't common knowledge, and mm-hmm. then also ask if there's an alternative that would be similar that you would recommend. Excellent. Yeah, question.
5: there's a lot of there's a lot of different uh water filtration devices there's a zero uh zero water filter and and, and, and other um types actually um <laughs> Mr Smarty Pants uh desert uh what's his uh God. desert flashpoint he's desert on the flashpoint. line <laughs> I'm getting his handle desert flashpoint just published a substack uh about a month ago Where he has detailed descriptions about how you can build your own Berkey out of a couple of five gallon plastic food grade buckets. Uh, you don't have to pay 600 bucks or 500 bucks to buy a Berkey. You can make your own. And those, those filter elements are available through many different suppliers. Um, I've got a big Berkey and, uh, you can, you can buy the, the filters. They're commonly available in a lot of different places. Yeah. There is a, it, there's an issue with the government, but the filters are still available. And like I said, you can build your own. There's, there's also other options.
4: All right. Good stuff. Great question. How, how do they find, uh, Desert Flashpoints Substack?
5: Yeah. His, if you go on Twitter, his handle is Desert Flashpoint, but it's not spelled out Desert Flashpoint. There's like a, uh, there's a letter missing. If it's, it's like F L D E S R T, I think. Anyway. All right. Well, Alex, <laughs> if, you, if you look on Substack. If you search Substack for Desert Flashpoint, you'll find a Substack. The article is about a month old where he gives instructions on how to
4: build your own Berkey. All right. Uh, and, from- and he's on the line, too. So, Alex, get your pen ready. I'll make sure that he tells us exactly how to get there. Okay. All right. Thanks for your call, bro. I appreciate
11: it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Right. God bless.
4: God bless. Have a great night. All right, three more callers. Next caller, you're on the air. Make sure you mute the stream, and can we get your name?
10: All right.
4: Hold on. Thanks
8: for your call, bro. I appreciate it. How you doing, Zach? Hey, what's up, Colin? (laughs) This is great. Uh, I just wanted to uh, say thank you um, because I've been listening to you for a long time, and uh, I think you've got people through that period of time what I call you know, a, a crucial period mm-hmm. when people really didn't know what was going on. So I wanted to thank you for that. I look forward to reading your book. And, uh, I wanted one thing to share though, because I'm living it literally right now. Um, and so there's just a little, little thing light is extremely important. 20 bucks at, um, pretty much any auto parts store. If you're paying more than 20 bucks, it's probably too much. The kind that goes on your truck. I put it. I mount it at the end of an, a telescoping pole, which you can get at the dollar store. And then what I do is I take the leads and I, um, cut off an extension cord, which has, uh, like a three way plug. I think you can get them for a dollar, two dollars, four dollars, something. And I make the short end, the plug in, the three plug in, and I mount that on with two clips. So it'll, it'll go to a battery. And now I can use any extension cord. And I can plug and I can get light anywhere and it, and having light makes all the difference in the world in your attitude. And once your attitude changes. So the other second part is practice, check it out, try some of these things out for yourself and practice living that way for a while and knowing, you know, that, Oh, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm not forced into it. So you don't have to panic just like anybody who before they go in the ring, they're going to practice.
7: Mm-hmm.
8: The other thing, of course, you know, that I've got to say is that we would never be in this situation if we would institute something like mandatory competency testing and by doing so remove those that are completely incompetent. I think we're seeing a history here, a list after list after list. What do they all have in common? They're all not only corrupt, but completely incompetent. Now, we may not be able to do anything about them being corrupt, but we can do something about them being competent or not. Anyway, that's my five cents worth. I want to say thank you, and thank you again, Zach, and bless God bless you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All right, next
4: caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name?
11: Hey, this is Iman.
4: Hey, Iman, how you doing, buddy?
11: I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. Welcome to the show. Yeah, um, I just wanted to... uh... Hey Dave, uh, I've been following you since you're doing Q and stuck around to follow your spiritual stuff afterwards. Thank um, you. You know, I've uh, always felt you were pretty good at being up to date with the Q stuff, so I never worried about missing a Q post after following you. And well, uh, I, I try yeah, to
5: keep people up to date. <laughs>
11: Yeah, so uh, that's about all I wanted to say. Just uh, thanks for all your work, and uh, I'm out there watching you on Rumble. I, I guess you don't stream live on Rumble. I've never caught a Saturday stream there. Yeah,
5: I'm I'm only streaming live on Telegram right now. I, I upload the videos to Rumble after I'm after the live stream is over.
11: Yeah, I usually catch them Sunday mornings. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks for all you do. Have a great night. Thanks,
4: Iman. We'll see you, brother. Have a great night. All right. And finally, the famous or perhaps infamous Desert Flashpoint. We're just waiting for him to connect. And while we're waiting for him to pop in, Fredo says, good call, Vector. Why no cam uh, <laughs> herpes? <laughs> I kid. But in all honesty, thank you, Dave. Uh, you were one of the first people that explained what was going on with Q back in 2017. I appreciate your work. Also, I think Taylor Swift is a dude. I don't know. All right, Desert Flashpoints, you're on the
12: air. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so cool. I've been listening for so long. You right. guys have covered so much. Awesome. Glad to have you here. Uh oh my gosh. Yeah. I've just been hanging out in the chat. I posted that link to the article in the chat, so and I apologize I didn't give you a heads up. But oh no, it's, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Tell, tell me
4: tell me how to get there, because I it's I'm not gonna be able to find it going back
12: through. Substack.com slash desert flashpoint. Okay,
4: substack. Flashpoint. So you can get there first. (laughs) He's the kind of troll that I like. (laughs) Okay. All right. I found you. Awesome. Cool beans. I'll pass this out again.
12: So Dave, uh, you've covered so much about communications, but I just wanted to emphasize uh, something I didn't hear you mention. And that's, how communications are a diminishable skill. They require practice. And, you know, it, that's why it's so important to get licensed. It gives you that uh, opportunity to get on the air and practice, practice, practice. Because when the stuff hits the fan and you're under stress, all that radio protocol training that you've been doing, it'll just be automatic. You're not going to have to learn it on the fly.
5: Desert, Desert Flashpoint and I both have a couple of recent, um, communication failures. That were due to a lack of familiarity with our equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a problem with uh, was it automatic repeater shift on your radio?
12: Oh, oh yes,
5: yes. (laughs) Where he his radio has an automatic repeater shift function, and if you don't turn it off, uh, it's automatically going to shift the frequency, the normal offset for for that band. And so he had some problems with his radio and he didn't realize that that thing was on. I've had, I've had all kinds of problems with my radios because of forgetfulness, because I don't use them enough. And, and to his point, radio use is a very quickly diminishable skill. Mm-hmm. If you think that you can just buy a radio and then when the lights go out, you're just going to pick that thing up and start talking <laughs> to people all over the world. It ain't going to happen. <sighs> if you are not accustomed to using yeah. it. If you can't program in the frequencies that you need, if you don't know how to operate the power settings, you are not going to be able to talk to anybody. Practice with your radio before you need it.
4: I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, And I suppose it also explains why the people who are into radio communications are so often like just delve right into it, because if you're not using it, you lose it.
5: The reason why I'm not doing live streams really is I have spent so much time learning all these communication things, the network, mesh networking, Arden, amateur radio, everything. And every every part of this uh, communications plan has a learning curve to it. And some of the learning curves on this stuff is really, really steep. For Arden mesh networking, you literally have to know how to put together um, internet networking equipment, sure. and set it up, and flash the software, and connect everything. It's it's very technical, but some of the stuff is is relatively easy. You know, um, the the LoRa radios with MeshTastic, not rocket science. It'll take you a couple of days to learn it, but if you purchase it, the equipment, and don't get familiar with learning how to use it, it's going to be very very difficult to use it in a crisis. Sure. So,
4: yeah, I can only imagine the the world's falling apart around you, and you have to you basically have to take a learn master's how to course,
5: do something you've never
4: learned before. <laughs> yeah. Not right. easy. All right, good stuff. Desert flashpoint. Anything else that you
12: wanted to drop? Uh, yeah. One more thing. Um, uh, you know, figure out what your communic your communications plan is. Who you want to talk to, when you want to talk to them. Set that up ahead of time. If you have radios for a small group for community defense or just for family members, you know, you want to set that up ahead of time as well. And you have, want to have that written out. It's going to be very hard to communi- to coordinate that once stuff starts going sideways. Sure. Good stuff. So, Excellent point. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Telegram. Thank you, Red Pill, for having me. Absolutely. Hey, Desert Flat Point.
5: Yo. Heard that the the good plan is to bring guns and bring friends with guns. Is that
12: true? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be bringing guns to your house possibly. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, good stuff, man. Well, listen, I'm glad you're here. I'm subscribing to your Substack, and I look forward to checking your articles out. Very cool. Thank you so much. I'm humbled. All right, brother. Have a great night. You as well. Thank yeah. you. We'll see you. All right, now final thank yous over here on Rumble. Fredo says not to be a Debbie Downer Zach, but Fanny Willis just texted me and said you were wearing your shirt backwards. Also, love Casey <laughs> Uh, would love to have a beer with him. Yes. So Fanny Willis essentially wore her dress backwards in court. I don't know if that's cause she just threw it on. i was asking my wife. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with her dress? Yeah. She got that thing on backwards. I mean, there's always the possibility that, you know, maybe it was designed like that, but I think that's unlikely. Uh, I, I think that, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe she thinks it's supposed to be worn like that. I haven't looked at a whole bunch of pictures of Fanny Willis to see if she is in the habit of wearing it backwards like that, but I can't you believe. Know, somebody did tell her
5: there's an internet rumor going around that she had a little bit too much gray goose before ah, she went
4: to yeah. testify i can think yeah. that, that may have
5: affected her ability to get dressed correctly
4: yeah i also thought it was weird that she name dropped gray goose like in the midst of her testimony you know oh yeah he, he likes chardonnay and i like gray goose i'm like okay great anyways she did not present well uh, and then final over here from uh, Fredo, he says, thank you for the OT, Zach. This is overtime pay. Love the stream. Appreciate you, Dave, and the chat as well. Fun night. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Appreciate you, brother. Uh And then, over here on the Foxhole, thank you to Sean Joe Raisin Kane, and net folks One Dave. I had a great time hanging out with you tonight. Thank you for doing the overtime and as you know, at the end of the show, I always like to ask my guests to please tell us what you hope the audience will most take away from tonight 's program.
5: Uh, the one thing I want you to take away from tonight 's program is the one thing i didn't mention uh. You can buy all the junk you want for preparedness, have all the gear. The most important thing that you need to have is a relationship with God who is giving you instructions about how to run your life, run your operation. <clears throat> you need to learn how to hear God's voice, know when he's speaking to you. Uh, and, and most importantly, realize that Jesus has given us power and authority over all the power of the enemy. And when you don't have enough food, like the disciples, you can multiply food for your neighborhood. When you run out of gas, ga- God can fill your gas tank supernaturally. I have lots of testimonies, people who've had, they run, driven their, driven their cars for weeks or months on empty gas tanks. Oh, wild. God can supernaturally provide for you. Preparing is great, but... God can meet your needs in ways you can't even imagine. So don't count God out of the picture. All right.
4: Wise words. I'm right there with you. Uh, thank <laughs> you to everybody for hanging out with us tonight. really appreciate it. If you haven't yet, please hit the like button or the thumbs up or whatever it is on the platform that you're on. Consider sharing the show and uh, enjoy your day tomorrow. Dave, thank you as always. Please tell people before we go where they can find your work once more. PrayingMedic.com. All right. Hey, it's all there. And then if you want the books, they're in the link in the description below this video. So please check them out. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dave. Good luck. God bless. I'll see you Monday right here, 5 p.m. for another episode of Red Pill News Live. That's Eastern. Until then, bye bye.